0: And then my mind was kind of like, you know, the head in the fishbowl.
2: Then it takes me into the bathroom and says, this
0: is how you brush your teeth. Brush, rinse, repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat. Brush, rinse, repeat. Do there with two girls. And it was like, he'll have to give us a ride. He can't fill us, though. He can't He'll let us in his car. thoughts were all alone in this empty void. You know, the head, and the fishbowl, this doesn't look right. Close enough where he said he could see, you know, their eyes and how intelligent they seem. There's nothing to right. These gremlin type creatures, there's nothing to look right. No pupils, no iris. Three fingers, three long fingers. And this is when the mental
2: torture was in
3: And then it was eerily white. Well, here we are again, Rob.
4: It must be Tuesday.
3: It must be. And we don't really have a guest tonight even though there will be a guest on this show yeah there's At a guest least on the i show. hope yeah. Yeah. there will be probably <laughs> if not you're just gonna get a show that's gonna last about an hour but you have us so what more could you ask for
4: yeah we'll see yes it's, it's the holiday season schedules are crazy everyone's hectic mm-hmm. we got gifts to buy we got family to work around, you know.
3: You had a cello recital you had to attend last night. That's
4: right. My yeah, my daughter was performing in their her school's symphony orchestra, which was very interesting.
3: Well I saw a clip that Alyssa put on uh Facebook.
4: Yeah, she's in the advanced orchestra. They sounded really they good. They
3: sounded really good. They yeah. Did. But yeah. you
4: have to like that they they have them play at the very end so that you they make people sit through all the uh the beginner orchestras. Like
3: all the stuff that and sounds like total crap because like, it's a I, bunch of nine year olds.
4: I mean, these kids are giving it their all, and God bless them. Like, they, you know, they've improved a lot and they're trying hard and they love what they're doing and it's great. And I love that kids are getting into music. I love that there's still music programs in schools.
3: Absolutely.
4: But you know what? They've only been at it for four months and string instruments are hard to play. And oh my gosh, do they not sound. It it's just sounds like, like, like
3: strangling ch- cats.
4: It's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs>
3: Well, just remember, there was one time you were a beginner, Rob.
4: There was, not my parents made me practice out in the garage for a reason.
3: <laughs> Please, go to the garage. Now. <laughs> practice that outside. Well, yeah. Um, you know, not been too hectic for me, but I get it. When you got a family, that's kind of how it goes. And uh, our guests that we're we're going to have on tonight, but I'm going to do the interview, next week, but for anybody else, you really don't care. Cause you'll hear it on this one. Hopefully. Uh, I'm going to talk to Michael Hughes later on, but I just thought we would do, you know, cause we don't really get a chance a lot to just kind of like where it's you and I speaking. Um, you know, we wish that we're, there could have been a third person, but everybody crapped out on us tonight. Yeah. And of course, no Luke, he didn't get his schedule changed yet again. Uh, which I was hanging out with him the other night, and we actually ended up at his workplace and was talking to his boss, and I, I was almost tempted to say, will you give Luke Tuesday nights off, please? You should have. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, just, you know. <laughs> it's like, like, I really on, just need him need one anymore. night a week. You, you, yeah, just yeah, one day a week. It's so, you can work it's him to so death hard. the
4: but... other six days. We don't care.
3: <laughs> I, I hope he's going to rejoin us at some time soon, but... uh we do have some some cool things to kind of end end out the year, but you know, I thought we I just I got some stories that uh, I thought we would kind of cover, um, kind of in the paranormal realm and just some weird stories and maybe a story about some later some uh, the latest Facebook tomfoolery. So we'll we'll get to that, but I thought I would start out talking about spectrophilia. Do you know what spectrophilia <laughs> means? Spectral-philia. Spectrophilia.
4: Spectrophilia. Spectrophilia. Got to use your Latin and your Greek roots. That's right. Philia. I know that part. Uh, spectro. Spectrophilia. This is like I, I, I'm scared to venture out on a guess on this one, but are we talking like... Like, like phantom sex or something.
3: Exactly. Ding. Yes. <laughs> wish, you, wish you had a soundboard. You could do some little dings. Ding. ding. And... So, yeah. Uh,
4: spectrophilia for five hundred, please.
3: <laughs> spectrophilia, according to the Book of Knowledge, is sexual attraction to ghosts or sexual arousal from images in mirrors, which the article goes on to not explain, wait, as wait, wait, well wait, wait. as the
4: Se- sexual attraction to ghosts. Yes. Okay.
3: Our sexual arousal from images and mirrors. All right. <laughs> as well as the phenomenon of sexual encounters between ghosts and humans.
4: That's the only part that I was guessing.
3: Mm-hmm. I didn't think. I don't.
4: I don't see how you can have an attraction to ghosts without being like bombarded by ghosts. <laughs> like you know
3: what I mean. <laughs> Well, you know, ghosts are real as as people like to say. But uh I have an article here. This is from that really responsible news source called uh, Vice, one of their one of their affiliates called Broadly. And I thought this was an interesting article, and I actually have a uh I actually have a clip that we can play about this. Um, but this is called fed up with mortal men. Women are having sex with ghosts and being that I'm single and have been for a year now, I guess I'm just screwed. I guess I'm just can't, not going to be as good as the ghosts. I suppose.
4: I don't know, Adam. I think you've got a lot of redeeming qualities that make you better than a ghost. Mm. I might be biased as a friend.
3: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Two women recently came out about their sexual experiences with ghosts, but they're not the first to claim they've gotten intimate with the paranormal. As the winter solstice draws near and the curtain between the mortal realm and the spirit world grows thin, we should not be surprised to see a sudden influx of reports of women having sex with ghosts. <laughs> Sorry. We should not be surprised. Earlier this week, a woman named Cyan Jameson told The Sun, another responsible news source from the UK, that she had a sexual encounter with a handsome ghost in a remote Welsh cottage following a traumatic breakup with her boyfriend. At first, he visited her in a series of erotic dreams, then materialized beside her. During the lovemaking, I sensed all kinds of things about him. His name was Robert, and he lived over 100 years ago, she recounted to the tabloid. There you go, Rob. Fine ma'am. His name. body was soft and light. Even when he moved on top of me pressing down, he felt almost weightless. He was very strange, but the sex was amazing. Yeah. Shortly after a woman named Amethyst Realm appeared on the British Daytime television show This Morning, which is the clip I'm gonna play, claiming that she began having sex with ghosts in her home and has not had and has not had had sense with a human being since. What a terrible sentence. Her first erotic encounter with a ghost occurred 10 years ago while she was still in a relationship with her mortal fiance. As can occur with affairs, Realm was caught mid coitus when her husband to be returned early one day from a trip away. He saw <laughs> the shape of a man through the spare room window, she explained. Betrayed, Realm's fiance broke up with her. And she and the ghost then decided to have sex everywhere in the house. That's not the word used, but uh, you can use your imagination. Once my fiancé had left, we had sex everywhere, but always within the building, she said. (laughs) That particular ghost romance lasted for a time until the entity started to appear less and realm ended the interdimensional affair. After that realm began to have regular sex with a variety of ghosts, each as distinct in style and feel that any human mate might be i've got i've got not no that is terrible i've got not interest in that's in in men now she proclaimed. I think it's, I've got no interest in men now. Check the typos before people, what? why can't people See, check typos before they publish something on the internet? I know,
4: I, I need to be an editor because I come across this stuff all the time and I'm like, come on, somebody's getting paid to read this and approve it. Somebody's getting paid a lot more than me to read this and approve it.
3: <laughs> For real, dude. Paranormal sex has been subject of fascinations for centuries across culture, from the Japanese vampire Yukiana, who is said to sleep with men and kill them, to Lamia, a Grecian shapeshifter who lures and murders men. Merlin himself had a demonic father, and myths abound of sexual spiritual beings such as the half-fairy Melusina and the iconic Lilith, who has sex with men in order to birth demons. This fascination clearly has persisted in the modern age. Beyond signs and realms accounts, countless people, including the pop star Kesha, Nashville Girls, have reported such experiences. Through history, there have been people who claim to have consensual sexual intercourse with human spirits, as well as many that claim to have been forced into sexual intercourse by an entity. This is usually called spectrophilia, says Jason Hawes, founder of the Atlantic Paranormal Society and cast member of SyFy's ghost hunters people who have sex with ghosts experience both positive and negative encounters explains Lloyd Arbach, the director of the office of paranormal investigations and president of the forever family foundation. Who's wondering why he's being interviewed for this article. I added that in an organization dedicated to understanding the afterlife in his experience. Most of these reports tend to be bad though. He concedes that this may be because people are less likely to call paranormal authorities after a pleasant encounter. The, <laughs> the reason we hear about the negative ones mainly is because people are calling for help, Auerbach says. He tends to hear of joyous spirit effing in casual convers- ca- casual circumstances like parties. If one is experiencing harmful or unwanted sexual advances from ghosts, the, situa- the solution is encouragingly simple. The living have more power phys- psychically than the dead will, would ever have. Auerbach says, I think it's physically actually, but it says psychically another typo (laughs) in order to deflect such unwanted advances. One need only visualize a force field surrounding them to energetically deflect the predatory phantom. The experience of spirit contact is nuanced. According to Auerbach, those who think they've had sex with ghosts are often going through breakups or mourning the death of a lover and tend to experience the sexual encounters in their dreams. In many of these cases, he says, the ghost in question could just be a creation of the unconscious mind. Most of the time, they're in bed already and get woken up or by something, and it's hard to say if that's real or not, Auerbach explains. According to Haas, more than 99% of these claims can usually be disproved, with the majority being some form of vivid dreaming, sleep paralysis, and or hallucinations. But the remaining less than 1% of encounters, he insists, are real as hell. The phenomenon of ghost sex is easy to dismiss and hard to prove. Both experts agree, but Albach notes that it does have one obvious benefit. If there are a bunch of ghosts that are l- trying to have sex with living people, he says, at least it's safe sex. Oh. Need the rim shop.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'm glad they threw that little tidbit in at the end because, you know what? That's the same thing I was thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, both those stories, they were... um women who are recently uh either out of a relationship or dissatisfied with a relationship um both probably wishing for something else or dreaming of something else or wanting something else and possibly manifesting something else if you will mm-hmm. you know i i don't think that this is the spirit of somebody who actually lived who is still like wandering around like oh if only i had someone to have sex with oh here's a oh, this woman seems to like me kind of thing i don't, <clears throat> I just, you know, I, I can't buy that that's the case. But, however, it, it could be more of a, um, you know, a, a, I don't want to say psychic phenomenon, but like a a psychological phenomenon where right. your intense desires are possibly manifesting some sort of something, you know? I don't know. Yeah. That part's interesting.
3: Yeah, I mean, and of course, you know the whole thing with um, the succubus and the incubus kind of kind of stuff.
4: I had to Google that that, Ke- that Kesha reference, by the way.
3: That goes into it as well. Yeah, um, she apparently has stated that she had spectral sex.
4: It was very vague. Everything I found on the internet. She did write a song about it, however.
3: Yeah, yeah. I just want to know if there's men that experience this too.
4: There are, because there's lists of celebrities who have Mm -hmm. Bobby Brown being one of them.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bobby Brown. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, I got this queued up. This is, uh, this is from this morning, which is a, uh, kind of a tabloid television talk show in the UK. And this is amethyst realm speaking about her sexual experiences with ghosts.
5: When did you first encounter a spirit?
6: Um, It would have been about 12 years ago now. I was living with my fiancé. Yeah. And he was working away a lot. We just moved into a new house in Hereford. And um, after a while, he was going away maybe one week, two weeks at a time. I started to feel... Kind of like a presence, maybe. I guess you could call it around the house. Yeah.
5: Which is and then, some people would be a bit a little scared of, but you weren't no, scared by it. It never felt scary. It felt comforting, if anything. And even yeah. when it, it, even when you were in, a, this all happened sort of in the spare bedroom. That was where it was, you know. The, yeah. At it's most yeah, exactly. powerful. And um, even when it came up behind you and you could feel its mm. breath on your neck, yeah. that still didn't freak you out.
6: Not at all. No.
5: So <laughs> then you decided that you would take it to the next level, and you dressed. In a very sexy negligee, yeah. and <laughs> you be. went into the spare bedroom and uh, and uh, turned the lights off and waited. I did, yes. And,
6: and what happened? What happened? Um, I waited and waited for a while, and then I got a little bit worried. I thought maybe I'd scared it off by being too keen.
7: Oh, OK. And then
6: sort of just as I'd given up hope and was starting to fall asleep, it came to me. And, and actually, what happened? Um, it I don't know what I can say on well, TV. To... <laughs> well, you, you had just... You had sex. Yeah, I had sex with the
7: so ghost. With a ghost. Yeah. Yes, but you with can't what? wrap your arms around the ghost. No. So how? What? How physically? How does? How, how does the sex bit happen? You, you can still
6: feel it. Like it felt it was kind. Of, oh, it's difficult to explain. Like a weight. It's kind of a weight, but at the same time weightless, and like a physical. There's the breath and stroking. And for energy as well. I think the energy was a lot to do with it. Do you feel a connection?
7: And does a sexual experience with a ghost end in orgasm? Um, for me. Yeah. <laughs> but God, I can say, wow. Oh, and and... for the ghost?
6: I just hope so.
5: And uh, this this um, r- relationship carried on for some time and eventually you got busted by your boyfriend.
6: I did, yeah. I was, um, he came home from work a day early uh-oh. And apparently, he says he saw uh, the shape of a man through the spare room window when he pulled up,
7: which is I mean, unusual because the no. the, ghost, the spirit had or ghost had never showed him his physical form to you at all, yeah, and yet it's interesting. to your fiance did. Yeah, I
3: did th- that time,
6: which I was a slightly annoyed about, to be honest. But I think I think it was in love with me too, and. That so he his, wanted to, he you wanted, to enjoy
5: yeah. it, oh, yeah. which it did. So, yep. so the, this re- the relationship with this particular spirit fizzled out <laughs> out over a period of time. And you know, so I'm sort of trying to figure out what it is that goes wrong in a relationship with a ghost because you can't have the normal <laughs> arguments like you haven't put the bins out or your Sorry. conversation is boring <laughs> mm-hmm. or you know I don't like the way you wear any hair and all of those hey buddy, things. Look at me. So is it just down to the fact that you both? How got does he know that? I think
6: so. I think it's just one of those things. It just started to happen less and less started to appear less. Well, that's usually how it happens. Ended,
7: I mean, y- there have been <laughs> many <laughs> other spirits um, that have come to visit you. Been, yeah. And some have lasted sort of one time, but some yeah. have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah. Do they? Do, are they very different sorts of relationships? Have they got different energies?
6: <sighs> yeah, you can always feel a difference. The same just with, with a human, I guess. You can just feel
5: different presences, so it's different not, personalities. It's not, it's not the same one coming back 20 times? No. Huh. no, it's often different ones. Yeah. And, um, you said... So they it, line because, it up? ...because since your first sexual encounter with a spirit, you've, you haven't you have had human contact in that way since. No. So once you go ghost, you never go back. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> is that right? It <laughs> is, yes. Yeah, I would never... I've got no interest in men now. But well, what about children? Because that um, surely is not possible.
6: I don't know. I've done, actually, a bit of research into phantom pregnancies recently.
5: Which I know sounds phantom ridiculous. doesn't mean you have a phantom.
6: It doesn't, but actually there's case studies where people have done a bit of research and there's... I'm trying to think how to explain. Yeah. But there is sort of possibilities that could actually be maybe the ghost of a child, of any you, but people don't know how to carry it on to full time kind of thing. Oh, but, and yeah. you, you, would, you like, would you like to become pregnant with it? Yeah. But at some point. Not now, but... I mean, that oh. would be quite a unique know.
5: thing to see, wouldn't it? A ghost, like a ghost... <laughs> The ghost, maybe <laughs> like so. Um, uh, yeah. be like Casper, <laughs> <I
7: don't>, maybe, <laughs> hopefully, not. <laughs> <laughs> do you, um, do you because we we spoke to Chris French, who we've had on many times, um, here and asked what he thought because he always likes mm. to put the argument against uh, these sorts of things. And he said that what might be happening to you could be explained by sleep paralysis, which is just in those mm. early moments of sleep yeah. uh, where you're a conscious but your subconscious mm. takes over and many people describe yeah. sexual feelings that happen, that it yeah. could be that. Could could that be a possibility or not?
6: I don't think so, because my first ghost um, used to follow me around the house and kind of lure me in, so I was definitely awake while I was walking
5: around. Mm. So, so okay. does, does the, the, the sex part of it always happen in the same room?
3: Well, he's really interested in this. Like, he's.
5: It It could be be anywhere. Where did you do it? 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 You know, I really want to know how did Uh, it happen? So, is it the house, do you think? I mean, obviously I you as well. totally baffled. I should imagine you've got quite a name for yourself in the spirit world. <laughs> for, the, for the for the future, uh, you, the, the, for, uh, you the, no need for uh, a, a boyfriend or a husband. They're to lining be, up there, at the, the portal. Human you are happy now. This is this is for you. The way the way it you is, want your life yeah,
6: to be. dearly, I'd like to find one, but I would like to settle down, with and spend. rest of my life with
5: of course i'll never go back to waiting for mr Wright. yeah oh it's amazing (laughs) um thank you very much indeed absolutely fascinating we discuss all sorts of things on here and i think this one's a first so thank you
4: (laughs) all right okay yeah um so i just want to point out (laughs) here we have somebody who apparently can see and communicate with spirits and a pair
3: of little more than just that.
4: Yes. And I mean, okay. Um, that should be, if, how to phrase this, if, okay, if you can, uh, acknowledge, recognize, uh, talk to spirits, ghosts, that would be an amazing ability, right? You could do all kinds of wonderful things with that. um, and she, she is. She's. She's just. She's. Uh. She's having sexual encounters with like dozens of different spirits, but nothing. I can't like, wait
8: to read this book.
4: There's okay. I don't even.
3: <laughs> you don't even know where to go with that. I don't this, know how to do go you? this. Uh, okay. We, well. Cool. Well. Yeah. The, so the, I. The, I. I didn't catch that the first time I watched the video. I was still, still kind of just like trying to get my head around it. Right. But you know, apparently that uh she had sex with the first ghost and then he le- he got bored and then left. And I guess that he told his buddies, so they all, all started the ghost coming through. Started up. Like that's the thing, like, Yeah. They were all like, like, high fiving.
4: Do you just have to be like open to this kind of experience, maybe for them to come to you? I suppose, or is it like I, I, man, that's so bizarre. I don't know.
3: One interesting thing that she's that she was saying about the uh, the pregnancy stuff, uh, which goes into some of the things that we've we've talked about here. and uh, you know, Josh Cutchin uh, just finished a book about this and once he has that out, we'll talk about it. But you know, kind of like these these kind of like sexual encounters and um, producing children with the other. Whether that be ghosts or aliens or Bigfoot or whatever it is, that's what Joshua's working on right. Yeah, now? he saw. Yeah, oh, that's, I can't. That's work one on of that. the yeah. That's one of the things that he's uh, that he's looking into in the new in the new book. Mostly dealing with kind of children because you know the idea of fairies and the uh, the changeling and those all those things. Sure. Um, he so he talks about that and he's going to talk about that in his new book. But I was looking into it today about the incubus and about the succubus. And all the things that are around that. And one of the ideas that – and this is in the Malleus Maleficarum, which is a 15th century book, which is basically like the – it translates to the Hammer of the Witches. Mm-hmm. And so it details a lot of these kind of occult things and these demon these demons and all that.
4: Yeah, I've heard of it.
3: Well, it talks about how the succubus will – get, which is the female version – that has sex with men will gather the will gather the men's sperm and transfer it to the incubus and then the incubus will have sex with a woman and transfer that sperm over to the woman and the child will come out as half a half demonic which it seems to me was a way to explain malformed children but also could be have links to the whole um, changeling phenomenon as well to that was talked about in the at the same time.
4: Yeah, sounds more like a cover for adultery.
3: But uh, well, the, the whole the whole incubus and succubus thing has been looked at as being a as first sleep paralysis and then as a way to explain wet dreams, nocturnal emissions. Right, because
4: well, there's this whole taboo. Everything around any kind of sexual thing for you know ages, go, going back ages and ages.
3: Right. So it must be a demon that <laughs> right. that has done it. But all I all, don't... Of
4: our, all of our urges, all anything that links us to the
3: animal kingdom, yeah, is some nefarious dark but thing. I, I mean. don't doubt that. I don't doubt that there could be a real phenomenon here. Sure. And yeah. then when you then when you look at if when you look at alien abduction, what happens in an alien abduction? Uh, it, you know, they say these women said that they were. That their eggs were harvested and said they used that uh, men were also sperm was being taken from men. Um, it's just the it's just an update of what people in the Middle Ages considered the incubus and the succubus. Are people sure, in the Middle Ages considered as a fairy?
4: Again, I think that this possibly is connected somehow to the fact that you know we're we're um, we're very. We're, we are animals but we are also very self-aware we're very enlightened we're very intelligent like we we have the ability to to analyze our own mortality we have the ability to analyze our our you know our our own influences and and it's it's kind of driven us to this point where we've recognized our dark side and we've tried to cast it off as
1: Mm -hmm.
4: something outside of ourselves Mm
1: -hmm.
4: and i think that um one of the, I'd say that's definitely there. One of, one of the most intense drives we have is our sexual drives. And that's, it's, you know, <coughs> it's a, it's, it's mildly embarrassing to us. It's, it's, uh, it kind of negates our, um, our willpower and our, our, um, you know, I, I am myself, I'm in control of myself. I am a. A spiritual being, not an animal, kind of a, a mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of that stuff gets cast off into this, like, realm of it must be demons, it must be this, it must be that. And throughout the right. ages, I think it's kind of grown into more of a, a mythos right? in and of itself.
3: Could it also be, just as you said before, just a, the desire of this person to want to be loved by something Yeah. and maybe they create this in their either in a in their own minds or they or they create something physical or like yeah. we've talked about with the toll. right we effect. don't
4: understand the energies that, that mm-hmm. like surround us and that move through us and stuff too Like,
3: so let's hear what Bobby Brown has to say <laughs> Um, because you brought this up. So I'm going to play this. I had no intention of playing this, but uh, it's Larry King. So I don't think there'll be any curse words or anything. We've
4: never heard
1: this.
3: So yeah, so let's let's hear what Bobby Brown has to say. I, they tell me there's a story
8: in the book, it's hard to ask it, about you having sex with a ghost.
3: Which by the way, Larry King um, is the latest now that's being accused of uh, sexual misconduct. I just heard that on the way over here.
8: Oh boy! yeah, but this was at a time when I was filming ghostbusters the movie <laughs> Ghostbusters I, mean had the original? A, I had a small ghostbusters too two. Two, oh part two part two and um I played the doorman of the mayor and um but i had i bought this house in um in Atlanta Georgia who which was owned by who they say the porn King was um mm-hmm. at the time um who sold it to the waterbed king? And it was just a spooky, spooky house, really spooky house. Um, and yeah, I, I actually woke up into a, a, some would call, a, I guess, a wet dream. But it was, you know, it Did was you see what it someone, was. A girl there? I really saw someone. Was I, it a it, ghost or like a person? It was a ghostly person. And you had sex with the ghostly person? Yes. Well. I had no other I had no choice she, I was mounted Oh she mounted you Yes And it was It was rape. Well, wait a minute After this occurred Bobby Oh unfortunate Did you say Something was crazy going on I, I didn't like that house anymore <laughs> At all <laughs> did you leave soon after? I did leave soon after that. Did you ever find out who the ghost was? <laughs> no, I did not. You ever had other ghost in your life? No, no more ghosts. No more ghosts. But that had to be an amazing Oh, experience. my God. It, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I don't want to say it wasn't a dream, but it just, it, it felt real as we are sitting here yeah. across from each other. Watch new episodes. So
3: apparently, this is a uh, this is a real this is a this is a real phenomenon. This is something that has happened.
4: <clears throat> so well, that one does sound more like sleep paralysis.
3: Yeah, that does. Yeah, you know? and that that's more the classic succubus. Yeah, the classic succubus episode. Yeah, of of what that is, and you know, all that stuff is really interesting. Um, the the succubus. Um, you know, there's the. It actually goes back. To, it actually goes back into like Jewish mythology. Um, Lilith, the first, um, right. The female demon who in, now this is no, this is nowhere in the Bible. I'm not sure if it's in the Talmud or or where exactly it is. I think it's like something called the Zohar, but it's in, it's a do It's kind of Jewish mythology. And they talk about how Adam was, you know, obviously the first man, but before the creation of, of, of Eve, Lilith was created first. right? And the reason that, uh, Lilith was rejected by Adam was because, and and God knows why, but, uh, she was rejected by Adam because she was, uh, she didn't want to do the missionary position. She wanted to be on top. So there's your kind of like masculine kind of paternalistic thing right. getting into the whole, into all of it. And so she's like, she's the beginning of the whole succubus, um, the whole succubus thing. Uh, so this is a little bit about the succubus. According to Zohar and the alphabet of Ben Sira. Don't ask me what that is. <laughs> Lilith was Adam's first wife, who later became a succubus. She left Adam and refused to return to the Garden of Eden after she mated with Archangel Samael. Boy, I mean, this is some dirty stuff. Yeah. In Zoharistic Kabbalah, there were four succubi who mated with the Arch- Archangel Samuel. There were four original queens of the demons, Lilith, Eshiath, Agrit, Bat-Mahalit, and Nama. A succubus may take a form of a beautiful young girl, but closer inspection may reveal deformities of her body, such as bird-like claws or serpentine tails. Folklore also describes the act of sexually penetrating a succubus as akin to entering a cavern of ice, and there are reports <laughs> of succubi forcing men. This is, this is really good. Are you ready for this? Uh, I
4: don't know if I am.
3: Reports of succubi forcing men to perform cunnilingus on their vulvas that drip with urine and other fluids. Other fluids. In later folklore, a succubus took the form of a siren. Throughout history, uh, priests and rabbis, including Hanina Bendosa and Abaye, tried to curb the the power of succubi over humans. However, not all succubis were malevolent. According to Walper Map in the satire, De Nugis Carillium. Pope Sylvester II was allegedly involved with a succubus named Meridiana, who helped him achieve his high rank in the Catholic Church. Before his death, he confessed of his sins and died repentant. Well, good for him.
4: See ya. (laughs) I I have no problem seeing why feminists... Grab a hold of Lilith and hold her up as like a hero. Right, yeah, only. the
3: Lilith Fair and all that right. stuff.
4: I, I mean, this is so yeah. like.
3: And, and men and, want and,
4: things a certain way, and if if they don't get it, then you're a, obviously you're a demon spawn of Lilith.
3: Right, right, right. So that's where all <laughs> that comes from. And 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 you know and you know the the the, the Jewish culture was a, in in that time period was a very paternalistic culture. I mean if you if you the you know even now today the, the more orthodox Jews the Hasidim and um they they're still a very paternalistic culture right so you can see where all this kind of kind of goes in you know make the make the demon uh one of the bad demons a a, a woman <laughs> and apparently Lilith was also you know she was used um as a as a way of for bad bad children were told that you know if they weren't they didn't behave that Lilith would come and get them in the night <laughs> and these type of these these type of things so yeah I mean this stuff has I mean in, in, in this this stuff has a very a lot of uh, a lot of roots in mythology and folklore and I and I yeah you know, I definitely think that there's something there's something to all of this so.
4: Do you think there's something to all of this on a um an actual spiritual level? Mm-hmm.
3: Oh yeah. Mhm.
4: Yeah, cuz I see it throughout. It's it's pervasive through a lot of uh mythology. Like even you take like Greek culture and you've got the demigods and you've got like um you know, Hercules and all the, you know, all the 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 half gods. You got the gods coming in and and mating with humans and and having these offspring and you know that's that's not too far off from from what we're talking about too. You know,
3: and the Nephilim, Genesis six, all this. Yeah, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, which, if you think about it, is you could really say that that's one of the first incubus kind of thing. Um. So yeah, I mean, this stuff is very, very prevalent, and obviously, it's still prevalent today.
4: I can't, so, I can't help, though, but seeing it as a a way to write off the, the shades of humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people want to point, point evil in a different direction. People want to think that evil comes from some, like, horrible well somewhere off in the distance, that it's not an inherent human quality, you know?
3: Well, blaming things blaming things on some kind of entity or yeah
4: yeah you know i don't believe in good and evil i believe in human nature i think we're a lot of both
3: yeah yeah that's 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 very true sir very very true let's talk about seth MacFarlane. yes i thought this was interesting and by the way have you seen the orville i love that show have you watched it absolutely it's just i mean it's great it's just oh, like, so uh,
4: like and, well and uh, initially i thought I, I went into it thinking okay this is gonna be like some kind of goofy comedy thing but like mm-hmm. the sci-fi elements and stuff are are phenomenal like it, it really expresses a lot of modern social sociopolitical mm-hmm. issues which is what science fiction should do and it does it really well i think and it pays homage to old star trek the the right. cinematography of it and everything it's 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 wonderful
3: and it's-, it's it's more it's more Star Trek than than what the Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. show. Yeah, and they started Star Trek Discovery which you have to pay for on C- CBS All Access, oh. which I think is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like they're putting it on Netflix, but it's only on Netflix like in other parts of the world. Uh-huh. And this this show has been more has been more Star Trek than and it's, it's, what is it's, what they're saying is Star Trek now. And it's
4: got great stories. It's got great characters. It's, it's have some goofy Seth MacFarlane mm-hmm. humor. Just you know, if that's what you're into, it's got enough of that to please you. But it's also like if you love sci-fi, which Seth MacFarlane obviously does, like it's great.
3: Well, did you see the last episode? Yeah. Where, you know they were since they were, I was talking about the children. Using Lilith, you know, like what is the mm-hmm. the first the officer, his ex wife uh, Kelly. Kelly goes yeah. down to this planet that's like it phases in and out of its universe yeah. every like so was like every eleven days, like
4: nine hundred years have passed or something. yeah,
3: it was like seven hundred years and yeah. she she comes down and helps some kid and like heals her and then like they start to worship her. Yeah, next time next yeah. phase
4: around like there's a rel- uh, religion based on it and yeah, eventually they pass through all that and find this enlightenment or whatever. So it's, it's
3: so very much in the tradition of like uh, the old twilight zone episodes yeah. and, uh, the, some of the best stuff that star Trek did, you know, I mean, the people don't realize just how much star Trek, the original series, how much social commentary that it had and how much how much groundbreaking it did right as kind of as kind of cheesy as it looks to us now 50 years later
4: well it had a tv budget in like what the 60s
3: right and one, one of my favorite episodes though was one called let this be your last battlefield and that was the one with um had frank gorshin in it same guy who played the riddler in uh the batman yeah, series yeah, yeah. he's like an actor comedian and like, the so this alien comes on board the ship and he has like half, half a black, half side is black and half side is white on his face. And then this other alien comes on the ship and it's the same thing. And they don't notice the difference between the two, but the colors are reversed on one of the aliens. And the other one has it, you know, has reversed colors on the other one. And they're the last ones. Of this species that has killed them have right. have killed battled each other. Yeah, they've killed each other off to like there's only two of them left, and it was such a great um, it was such a great representation of what was going on at the time with civil rights and the and the riots and right. all all those kind of things. And I think what they did in that episode was they actually showed footage of the riots that had been going on. I like in Watts and in the sixties. And it was just such a great way using science fiction as a way for a social commentary that you couldn't necessarily get away with. And that if, if you just put it forward at that time, right?
4: which is what science fiction has always traditionally kind of been great mm-hmm. for. And that's why I'll say when I, when I'm like, I'm really picky about science fiction because if it doesn't have those elements, it's basically, it's, it's just worthless. Like, you know, it's not about the, the technology or the, this or the, that, or the, you know, um, if it doesn't have those like, which the, f- you know, I'd take like uh Robert Highland being one of my yeah. favorite science fiction yeah. authors,
3: which I think he helped. Did he write some? St- I don't couple know. Couple Star Trek episodes.
4: I'm not sure, but that that'd be interesting to find out. But like you know, you take like um Starship Troopers, something I should have read a long time ago, but I just got through recently, which I hated that movie by the way. Oh, well, well, the movie had nothing to do with the book. But the, right, the book, as I understand. Yeah, the book the book has this it's it's set in a very it's it's a very fascist society in certain ways. The 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 movie kind of portrayed those elements as even more exaggerated. But it's you know, it it uses like this alternate sort of universe to look at to look back on how we are today and exploit some of the the more extremes of it. And without that, science fiction is just
3: Oh yeah, it's just crap. <laughs> like, it's just definitely. I, I don't, I'm not sure if he worked on Star Trek or not. He he may if he did, it might have been one or two episodes or something. But, um, you know the the first ones to do that on television was Twilight Zone. Yeah, because you know they they put things in kind of like the science fiction universe. Of just ways especially in like the late fifties and early sixties of things that you probably weren't going to be able to talk about right, and you know um rod Serling he learned a lot of that from being on from being a television writer in the fifties mm-hmm. where he was doing um in fact, there's an interview that you can you actually can find online of him from like nineteen fifty nine right before he started um right before he started. Twilight Zone. And he's worked on this show called Playhouse 90. And he basically his his gripe was with was that the television writers didn't have all the freedom that they should have because of the sponsors. And he talks about how they did a play of judgment in Nuremberg which is about, you know, the the Nazis and um, and and describing some of the things that happened in the Holocaust. And the the one episode the one that they did the company that was sponsoring it was was a soap company well in the script they talked about turning uh, people into soap and they wanted that stricken out of there even though that was an important part of how horrible the nazi regime was nobody was nobody was um advocating turning people into soap but they still wanted that out of there you know, and so like to have that freedom. So I think you know, from that, he went in the twilight zone with this idea of, well, we're going to do this show,
4: right? And well, and that's the thing. Like, science fiction has always kind of softened it mm-hmm. to where you're only going to get kind of the, you know, the. I don't want to say geeky, but you know, the the more intellectual side of society is going to grasp this stuff and is going to really understand what you're talking about it and help spread it. And it's it's sort of filtered through them that way.
3: Through the guise you know, of this it's not like, it's entertainment. Not like, it's not like
4: coming on the news and, and like spouting some kind <laughs> of truth that that you know the average person is gonna like look at it and say, Oh, that's a horrible thing. Like I don't want this on my news. It's 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 filtered through the guise of fiction and then like it spreads it's like a slow time release capsule. You know? You take like those like a a Tylenol slow release pill or something in it. And it gradually introduces itself into society instead of being like thrown in your face, and that science fiction has always been
3: great for that. There was one episode of the Star Trek is my um not Star Trek Twilight Zone that's my favorite, and that's like the the monsters something like the monsters have arrived on Maple Street or something like that, Uh and this um, UFO buzzes by this these people you know just going about their daily lives in the in this suburb. And they slowly get isolated and then like their power turns off and then the power turns off and somebody turns on at somebody else's house. And so there's this kid that has this comic book with this alien on, on the cover. And he says, well, this is the men from Mars. They're doing this. And, uh, we don't know who one, one of which one of us could be a man at Mars, a man from Mars, you know, the, the vanguard of an alien invasion. And, uh, then the lights come on in one of this in one of the people's houses, and they start saying oh well, you're you're an alien you know you, and and it's like, you no, know, you know me and i' I've, I've, I've our kids have gone to school together you know it's like we don't but we don't really know you and everybody starts getting suspicious of each other paranoia and the paranoia increases yeah. and then they start to then they start to to riot and go after each other. And then it just pans up to the, the actual alien sitting on the hill looking down and saying, you know, we don't even have, have to, to do
4: anything. We don't have <laughs> to do
3: anything. We'll just turn them against each other. Yep. And it's such a beautiful um, indictment of McCarthyism and mm-hmm. what had happened in the 50s and what was still happening in, in, the, in, the, in the, you know, the context of the Cold War at that time yeah, and, and what of, is still happening now. Any kind of
4: witch hunt scenario right like, yeah, right that, and that's the thing it it exposes human nature in in such a way that's like it's it's palatable, you know,
3: right, and Star trek continued that, and now the now I think like the Orville has kind of continued that too Absolutely. a little bit, but I was saying, seth seth McFarland. uh i was, I just thought this was interesting and and you probably would uh find this interesting too, is you know with the whole like sex. Scandals and the, you know, all the, Kevin Spacey and all the stuff that we've talked about, Harvey mm-hmm. Weinstein. Uh, how Seth MacFarlane and Family Guy have been calling out Hollywood's biggest scandals for years. While many people may have been surprised to read Kevin Spacey's apology apology to actor Anthony Rapp for being sexually inappropriate with the then fourteen year old actor. Seth MacFarlane and the writers of Family Guy, known for skewering pop culture, might not be on that list. Soon after Spacey tweeted his apology, which included his coming out as gay, a Twitter user uncovered a 2005 episode of MacFarlane's animated series that calls out the House of Cards star by name. In the episode, Stewie, the baby of the show's family, runs through a department store yelling, "Help! I've escaped from Kevin Spacey's basement. Help me!" Amazingly enough, the clip aired 12 years before Rapp's BuzzFeed News interview in which the Star Trek Discovery star alleged that Spacey had been sexually inappropriate with him during a party at the usual suspect star's apartment in 1989. No explanation has been given about the context of the line. There have been many vocal critics of 58-year-old actor's apology, but McFarland is one celeb that has kept silent about the statement on social media. The Ted star has also not commented about his show's Spacey reference since the allegations emerged. But this isn't the first time McFarlane or his show have shed light on a long-hidden Hollywood secret. After several and then dozens of women set forward to publicly accuse the Weinstein Company's Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault, harassment, and rape, Internet sleuths uncovered a clip of McFarlane making a 2013 joke on stage aimed at Weinstein, who has denied all claims of non-consensual sex. When announcing the two 2013 Oscar nominations with Emma Stone, McFarlane made a jab at the now disgraced movie mogul. Congratulations, McFarland said after announcing the nominees for Best Supporting Actress. You five ladies no longer have to pretend you're attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> after the clip of the four-year-old joke went viral, McFarland released a statement October 11th, explaining that a female colleague had confided in him about an alleged encounter with, with Weinstein years prior. He wrote, make no mistake, this came from a place of loathing and anger. And in a 2012 Family Guy episode titled Let Go My Mego, the cartoon series seemingly took aim at Brett Ratner, who is accused by numerous women of sexual assault and harassment. The producer's attorney has denied the claim on his behalf. In it, a man identified as Ratner bids $75,000 on the infant age character Stewie, who is dressed as a little girl in an auction for sex workers. Then in 2012's "The New Adventures of Old Tom," Peter compares a local news anchor ruined re- reputation and career to Charlie Rose, Charlie Roses, the veteran TV personality recently terminated by CBS and PBS over sexual harassment allegations. The episode then cuts to a clip of Rose firing back at CBS this morning, co-host Gail King over his assertion that they'd be covering a story of how to sober up from a long night of drinking that leaves us wondering what else is McFarland already told us.
4: Bottom in, line, we need it, more Seth MacFarlane's in Hollywood. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're part of those social circles and you start hearing that stuff, and you're Seth MacFarlane, who obviously doesn't care about what people think about him, and is uh-huh. there to expose truths, and is there because he, you know, he has a passion for both filmmaking and for for um, getting the truth out there, like for exposing humanity for what it is, for exposing Hollywood for what it is, you know, whatever it be. I think that's great. I think he's taken his platform and and his power and he's used it for good. Yeah. You know, agreed. I can't commend him enough. And you know what, Seth, if you want to come on a show, I think I'll let him. I think (laughs) I'll let him come on our show.
3: That would make us go gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we may be in trouble. Why? Because do you remember um, our show with Augie Nost? (laughs) yeah not too long ago how could you forget yeah um and he talked about this object that was coming into our solar system Uh uh-huh well our good friend chris wolford sent me this and i thought i would read about this um this is the astronomers who check interstellar body for signs of alien technology Mm. if that doesn't want to make you read it i don't know what well
4: how much does that job pay
3: what, to detect signs of yeah. alien technology? Uh, astronomers are to use one of the world's largest telescopes to check a mysterious object that is speeding through the solar system for signs of alien technology. The Green Bank Telescope in West Virginia will listen for radio signals being broadcast from a cigar-shaped body, which is, of course, it's cigar-shaped, yeah. which was first spotted in the solar system in October. The body arrived from interstellar space and reached a peak speed of 196,000 miles per hour as it swept past the sun. Scientists on the Breakthrough Listen Project, which searches for evidence of alien civilization, said the Green Bank Telescope would monitor the object named Oumuamua from Oumuamua, from Wednesday. The first phase of observations is expected to last 10 hours and will tune into four different radio transmission bands. Most likely it is of natural origin, but because it is so peculiar, we would like to check if it has any signs of artificial origin, such as radio emissions, said A.V. Lowe, professor, professor of astronomy at Harvard University and advisor to the Breakthrough Listen Project. If we do detect a signal that appears artificial in origin, we'll know immediately. The interstellar body, the first to be seen in the solar system, was initially spotted by researchers on the Pan-STARRS telescope, which the University of Hawaii uses to scan the heavens for killer asteroids. Named after the Hawaiian word for messenger, the body was picked up as it swept past Earth at 85 times the distance of the moon, to the moon, I'm sorry. While many astronomers believe the object is an interstellar asteroid, its elongated shape is unlike anything else in the asteroid belt in our own solar system. Early observations of Oumuamua show that it is about 400 meters long, but only one-tenth as wide. It's curious that the first object we see from outside the solar system looks like that, said Loeb. The body is now about twice as far from Earth as the sun, but from that distance, the Green Bank telescope can still detect transmissions as weak as those produced by a mobile phone. Loeb said that while he did not expect Green Bank to detect an alien transmission, it was worth checking. The chances that we'll hear something are very small, but if we do, we will report it immediately and then try to interpret it, Loeb said. It will be prudent just to check and look for signals. Even if we find an artifact that was left over and there are no signs of life on it, that would be the greatest thrill I can imagine having in my lifetime. It's really one of the fundamental questions in science, perhaps the most fundamental, are we alone? The Breakthrough Listen project was launched by the Royal at the Royal Society in London in 2015 when the Cambridge cosmologist Stephen Hawking announced the effort to listen for signs of life on planets that orbit the million stars closest to Earth. The 100 million dollar project is funded by the internet billionaire Yuri Milner and has secured time on telescopes in the US and Australia to search for alien civilizations, it's starting to sound like movie contact. Astronomers do not have good ideas about how such elongated objects could be created in asteroid belts, but studying Oumuamua more closely, they hope to learn how they might form and whether there are others in the solar system that have so far gone unnoticed. If it's of natural origin, there should be many more of them, Loeb said. Previous work on the body found it to be extremely dark red, absorbing about 96% of light that falls on it. The color is associated with carbon-based molecules on comets and asteroids. So or it's the uh it's the mothership that carries all the ships for the invasion. What do you think? Huh. Um my cigar is out by the way. Well, well.
4: What's the the interest other than the shape? I,
3: I yeah, they say well other, and they say that it comes from outside of the solar system.
4: Is this the same object we've been hearing about for a while? That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. So this is the first first thing that we've had from like a, a different solar system that happened to be ejected that's passing through our own, and it's bizarrely cigar shaped. And they decided they're going to check it for radio waves or yeah anything that not natural. Yeah. Well,
3: this is one of those headlines. You know, it's like one of those clickbait headlines. Sure. That tells you, you know, like, it, oh, it
4: might have signs of alien technology on it.
8: Oh
3: no!
4: Well, uh, yeah, it, they're basically saying that there's people that are like, oh, I'm going to check this out because it's worth checking out, mm-hmm. which it is, sure. But there's, um, you know, until we hear something definitive, like, you know, oh, it, it's a bizarre shape that couldn't be created naturally, or it's got, it's, you know, it's a, it's exhibiting bizarre radio waves, or it's doing something other than. Just flying through our solar system, I'm not going to get excited.
3: Yeah, I think it's already past us too. It's not in say it's it's not in uh, it's on in stationary orbit, right? So that's probably a good thing. Yeah, it's not between us and the I theory, think if it was where it's just waiting to launch the to I, launch the Vanguard. I think it was like a, an Independence Day.
4: <laughs> it's passing over LA as we speak. Mm-hmm. Now I think I think if it was something to get excited about. We'd have heard something else, but you know it, it is cool that something has past cycles and i haven't heard anything about even like um material composition or you know
3: well the stuff that nasa says, i'm sure has been looking into and it says at the end here i see i did not read that part but it says uh if as expected the telescope fails to pick up any intelligent broadcasts from Umuamua. The observation is still expected to aid scientists in understanding the body. Other signals detected by the Greenback Telescope could shed light on whether the object is shrouded in a comet-like cloud of gas and reveal whether it is carrying water and ice through the solar system. And, of course, we've got, like, an artist rendering of it on the page here, right. which looks really <laughs> nothing like, uh, which may may look like, it just looks like a big floating, like, long disk or something. Right, it's like, it's like all
4: those shows on the, the History Channel that, like, they won't say that this is the image that was that they're talking about, but they'll show an image.
3: Right, And right. since
4: they don't say that it's the image, like, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh.
3: So, you know, you never know. Nope. Maybe it's carrying the lizard people.
4: Could be, but they've been here for ages. It can't be.
3: Well, yeah, that's true. But th- this could be picking them up. They go back to their home world, right? I'm surprised
4: cuz is there is there a cult around this thing? I'm surprised there's not a cult.
3: Around the Umuamua? Yeah. There's got to be. I'm sure there will be eventually. Uh but of course, you know, the 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 Hellbop comet already picked up Heaven's Gate, so right. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. this is for another one.
4: Well, if you're listening to this and you would like to ride on the Umuamua, <laughs> contact <laughs> us at <laughs>
3: I don't know the contact to us. Do you want want to sell some tickets to the Umuamua?
4: I'm trying.
3: (laughs) Mm, Oh, okay. Well, there is someone out there that would try to save us from the lizard people. Who's that? Uh, This was a Pierce County man in Washington State who prepared to battle the lizard people. Good. Um, I really thought this might have been a fake news story, and it still could... (laughs) a fake news story but I think it's kind of funny so we'll just read it but uh, be irresponsible yeah, yeah. Um, a 55 year old Eatonville man armed himself with an AK-47 and a pistol over the weekend to battle the lizard people quote unquote the Pierce County Sheriff's Office said the man told law enforcement that President Trump had called to warn him <sighs> I just want to say you're doing a great job but we need to kill the lizard people
4: you're going to need some guns, some bigly guns. Some
3: bigly guns. Got to be huge. The man ended up being sent to a hospital for treatment and a mental health evaluation. Why? He's trying to save us. Just after 8 p.m. Saturday, a witness called 911. She's like to Terminator 2. A, right, right.
4: Sarah Connor was like just, she had yeah. to bust out and then save
3: the report a white Jeep Cherokee was stopped at 108 South Street South and Pacific Avenue South in Parkland. A state trooper later reported that a man got out of the Cherokee and was waving around an AK-47 and a pistol. A number of troopers and deputies converged. The man put the guns back in the car. He was ordered into the ground where he began to scream about sending in the news and the lizard people, the sheriff's department said. He resisted when officers tried to handcuff him. A trooper and a sheriff's department deputy both used a taser on him, the sheriff's department said. The sheriff's department says the man told a deputy that he had snorted methamphetamine to use lose weight and that he was taking prescribed morphine. The meth doesn't make me crazy, man. The sheriff's department says the man told the deputy, the lizard people are real. He said President Trump had called his house in Eatonville, warned about the lizard people and said the alpha dragon had taken his family hostage. The man explained that he stopped at the Parkland intersection because the lizard people had surrounded him and because he needed to follow the president's directions to fight them. He made a scene to attract the news media so his story could be documented for history, the sheriff's department reported. Medics were called and determined the man was heavily under the influence of a stimulant. Really? The Sheriff's Department said, a deputy found a loaded AK-47 and a loaded three fifty seven caliber pistol in the man's vehicle. There were five loaded magazines for the AK-47. Counting the extra magazines and the one in the rifle, there were 172 rounds, the Sheriff's Department says. How many times did this, this article is only like four paragraphs long, but they say like the Sheriff's Department says like every other word. <laughs> Jeez. Well, there are pictures. So... Uh, just pictures of his vehicle with a uh, with a rifle in it but uh well i guess we're not getting saved by the, from the lizard people man
4: well we're in the south everyone has guns here we're- mm-hmm.
3: we do have lizard man in in south carolina that's right so we got to watch out for that and finally to kind of end this um intro that we're doing have you paid any attention to this facebook thing about this kid that uh the video was put up about him being bullied have you paid attention to this
4: i don't know what you're talking about
3: okay you're blissfully unaware yes. um As usual. there was a kid seems keaton jones i guess he's like 11 12 years old and he had, Shit. sorry, he had um, this video that his mom put up, put up online of him speaking to his mom in a car about he, how he was being bullied at school, and it really pulled at the heartstrings of of people, and became kind of this cause celeb among a lot of the celebrities. Um People offering him to take him to you know film shoots and offering to take him to film premieres and to uh, sporting events, like famous people getting involved with this. Well, there's been some scuttlebutt with it in the fact that first of all, and there's a lot of confusion going on right now about this, but he had, well, apparently his mother somewhere, or someone pretending to be his mother, put up a GoFundMe page asking for money for, to support him, to support this kid. And people donated $50,000. well, that apparently was closed down because it was not the boy's mother. But then she opened this uh, a GoFundMe account under her name. And apparently, I guess she made $50,000. I don't know how much the other account made, but some other ridiculous amount of money people were donating to. So maybe if we put up a, you know, me being bullied video, we start getting $50,000 on the show, but things got out of hand, even more out of hand when they discovered that the mother had posted all these racist things on Facebook, such as pictures of her, uh, pictures of her kids holding Confederate flags and other such things. So now the backlash has been against has been against the mother accusing her of, of A being a racist and B uh ripping people off with a GoFundMe page for the kid. Well again the world we live in with the ridiculousness of social media.
4: Yep. There we go. A tool that could be bringing us all together tearing us apart. Mm-hmm. So um Maybe, I don't know, go next door and help your neighbor. Go down the street and help the kid there that, you know, doesn't have school supplies, doesn't have, like, clean clothes to wear to school t- to help him keep from being bullied. Do something like that. Don't give anybody on the internet money. Ever. Ever. Unless you're one of our patrons, Right. Well, well, how do you know? But, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Don't do, how? you know, you know, by not just jumping on the bandwagon of like whatever is the the newest hip thing. You know how many hundreds of thousands of children are out there right now, starving, hungry, would do anything for like a cup of rice. If, right. if you want to help, there's so many ways to help. Don't jump on some Facebook bandwagon and think that you're doing the world a favor because like, there's for every person out there that's willing to donate and help out through some sob story like that, there's somebody out there that's willing to take advantage of it and just take, the, take those resources away from you. Like, I'm not saying that helping people is bad, but I'm saying that helping people that you're not in connection with, that you can't see, that you're, you're totally disconnected from, it, it, it's, it's not going to be productive. There's people in your neighborhood, whoever this is that's listening, there's somebody in your neighborhood that can use your help. Help them instead.
3: Yeah, you know? very well said, Rob. Very well said.
4: There's no, there's no community vibe anymore. And that's that's the thing that I think social media has destroyed is that like we don't have a local social the community. The community is all
3: anymore. virtual. Yeah. Yep. And, and my thing is too, how do we know if this kid is really getting bullied? How do we know? How do we know that he's not just completely just, dis- I mean, take, take all the racist stuff and the GoFundMe stuff out of it. How do we know that you know that he's messing around with these kids or they're messing around with him and things get out of hand yeah or, words are exchanged hmm. feelings are hurt i mean kids are kids they do this kind of stuff and 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 just like just how do we know right. we we're, well, we're not we're not hearing the side of the other people in this right we're just we're just seeing a a a a it, it, at best, one minute video of this kid crying in a car, and all of a sudden that just pulls on the heartstrings. It's just like the it's just like the the and it, 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 it it's propaganda. It's propaganda. It's just like the little boy in Syria you know which that which was tragic but pulled at the heartstrings sure. and was being used by was being used basically by by terrorists to do, to do that right The terrorists we we talked <laughs> about this on the show and it just every time something like this happens there's always got to be this cause we always we always have to have a cause that we are fighting and whether it be anti-bullying or whatever it is and now the choice is apparently is between anti bullying and supporting someone that that is apparently racist, so it 's like the you know you know that there 's a meme out there you 'll see it on Facebook occasionally where it 's like the superhero or something, and he 's got like a towel to his head and he 's sweating and he 's looking at a button and you know, a red button and a blue button, and he doesn 't know which one to push. You know, because he's, he's he's conflicted. You know, so so this one is to the whole social media community right now that about this this Keaton Jones kid is do I which one do I push anti bullying or do I support racism? Do I support this mother's racism or do I support the whole anti bullying thing? And everybody's saying that you know, well, we don't. You know, well, we should still. You know, anti bullying is is a problem. Yes, it's a problem. It's been a problem. But the other thing is, we don't know, we don't know the context of any of this stuff. Well, I, you know and, and, and the rumor mill has just gotten started and ridiculous, even to the point of their saying that that this kid apparently this is just rumor, but apparently the people are saying this kid actually called it was black children, he called them the N-word.:
4: I was throwing money around going to stop bullying in the first place yeah. so that's my question yeah. like bu- my kids were bullied i was bullied it, it happens it's part of growing up and learning and learning to deal with society it's horrible and i don't think it should be promoted and i mean i think it should out
3: it makes people feel good it makes them feel like they're doing something about something right that's it
4: and that's my thing it's not go to your local school go to your you know do something in your community to help That will help. You can do. You can make a difference.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 broad attention to bullying. Well, that's been that's there that has been there has been an attention on that. This is not like something that we just discovered just because of this Keaton Jones child. This is not it, it. It you know this is not something new. And it's just, it, it, I, I watch the video and I just roll my eyes because I go, great, here's, here we go. Here we go. You know, change your, you change your Facebook profile picture so you can show support.
0: <laughs>
3: you know, it's just, I mean, the whole thing is honestly just ridiculous and it, on, on both sides. And if the mother's trying to cash in on this, she should be ashamed of herself. Agreed. And there's also the possibility that if she is trying to cash in on this, she could be, she, they could have been set up because people know if they put something on the internet and it's, and it's least bit tragic, they're going to get money out of it.
4: Mm-hmm. Look at Cash me outside girl. Right. I wish I didn't even have to ever say her name again, but you know what? <laughs> That girl and her mom they made a lot of money yep yep thanks America.
3: as somebody knows that they, that they can do it especially now in the season that we're in, and apparently you know there was an there was an MMA fighter that felt like he was taken because he wanted to he wanted to bring Keaton to get to an MMA match. I don't know I don't remember his name. But you know, this is all over Facebook right now. It's everywhere. So he apparently had talked to the mother or whoever this person was that had this uh, that had this um, GoFundMe page out. And apparently, this person said, "Well, I'm just trying to get money for my kids for Christmas. You know, I don't. You, know, you can support me that way. I don't want to go to an MMA match." And then apparently, this person said something like, "White was white people need to stick together," or something like that. And if that's the mother, you know, she should be, she should be ashamed, just as ashamed of herself, yeah. honestly. And you know, this whole thing has just been has just been re- ridiculous, and has just blown out of proportion. And it and it really shows too, just how much you know. You know, you, you're supported one day, and then the next day, somebody finds something else about you. And these celebrities too, they got to get in on this too. You know, that's what gives it real attention. <clears throat> you know, the whole celebrity culture. Yeah, it's apparently she went on Good Morning America or, or defended herself. Uh, you know, just please. Uh, anyway
4: be careful how you use your platform (laughs) just because you have one right doesn't mean you know what the hell's going on (laughs) yeah you know we get those accusations too like oh you guys have a lot of listeners you should use it for something positive well maybe i don't know what's going on and i don't want to advocate anything right
3: so yeah, it says here people have also created another don- other donation channel for Keaton and her mother, and his mother. One GoFundMe campaign, again proofreading, titled "Stand Up for Keaton," created by a man named Joseph Lamb, has raised over fifty eight thousand dollars of a twenty thousand dollar goal. A spokesperson for GoFundMe told BuzzFeed News they are in contact with Lamb to ensure all the funds raised go to Keaton. Well, good. You know, I and it's just, it's just, it's just confusion. Yeah. It's just absolute, absolute, absolute confusion. People jump in also to conclusions as well. So that's all I got to say about that. I think that we will leave it there. Um, thank you, Rob. Yeah. And uh, guys, we're going to have Mike Hughes on. I'm going to be doing that interview. Um, Rob will be... I guess, enjoying some holiday here. Yeah, I will. So yeah. I'll be doing that one at uh, the other studio, which is my, my room. And uh, <laughs> So, Rob, tell us, uh, everybody, about Patreon. Um, we're going to do our um, – I'm going to cry in the car and uh, send that to um, – get some celebrities in on that, and uh, we'll get uh, a whole bunch of money. So tell everybody about our Patreon if they want to donate to our cause – yeah, if, if you want to know if, what that is.
4: But. If you enjoy the show and you want to help out, we do our Patreon account at uh patreon.com slash conspirenormal. There's different tiers. We do bonus episodes every month. We've got quite a few up there already. Uh you get full access to them as soon as you sign up. Uh there's other tiers. We've got some t-shirts left for everybody. anyone that wants to jump in on that. If you don't want to subscribe to something monthly, I understand you can do a one-time donation through our website at conspiranormal.com. And if you don't have any extra money to shell out and you just want to support us, a great way to do that, and I cannot stress this enough, is just go on iTunes or Stitcher and give us a five star review, Uh, just a little blurb about why you like the show, and take you 30 seconds. And we really, really appreciate those because that helps draw in more listeners and it just helps us, motivates us. And we love you all so very, very much. So
3: thank you. Feel good. Feel good. Yes. Everybody have a group hug. All right guys, uh thank you so very much and guys, we will be back um next week with Dr. Future. Ooh, yeah. he's coming back to the show and then we're going to have a small um episode to end the year um with our year interview and we'll talk about uh just you know who we interviewed and uh who we thought was some of the the good ones were and um talk about some of that uh and other things. So Guys, join us next time on Conspiracy which I'll be back soon. Welcome back, guys, to Conspiranormal. It's Adam. I'm here all by my lonesome in the the second studio, which is my apartment, and uh, it's about a week or so later, and I have Michael Hughes on the line. I managed to track him down. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mike, welcome back to Normal. It's good to have hey, you. It's great to be here, man. Great to be back. Um. The primary reason that I that I wanted to get you on, and I know it's been crazy for you with moving and all that kind of stuff, so I really appreciate you you being back on the show. Um, was you had written? God, this it's been well, it dated May thirtieth, so wow, it has long ago, it has yeah. been like it has been a, quite a few months. So some of this, you know, in the realm of podcasting and conspiracy culture, is now old hat but uh, i still think it's important because there's still developments on top of what happened then and i, I love how medium gives you how much the read is going to be it tells you it's an 11 minute read <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen that, seen that seen it do that before but your article yeah. that you wrote in medium and i'll I'll post this up on the show along with your uh, show notes along with your website so people can read it cuz i'm not going to read the whole thing Uh, what is entitled good riddance conspiracy nuts why you won't hear me talk about pizzagate and other bullshit conspiracies anymore so without going into like the corpus of the article myself reading it i just kind of want to hear from you what this kind of personal journey was because we know we talked about pizzagate way back at the end of last year the beginning of this year i kind of personally came to the conclusion that there could be something to it but in with lack of any other evidence i didn't really want to pursue it in any kind of way to like sensationalize it so we just kind of left it there Mm
2: -hmm. um Mm -hmm.
3: so until anything else really happens with it and nothing else really has happened with it to my knowledge since and i could be wrong since the uh, since around the springtime of last of this Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. um i haven't really been paying any attention to it and i read your article and i thought this was very important and we're not going to just talk about pizzagate this is more just kind of like in this podcasting and conspiracy culture realm that we're in there's a lot of things that are worrisome uh and of more kind of just a lot of real, I hate to typify it this way because it's so easy to get into the right wing, left wing paradigm, but a lot of, for lack of a better term, a lot of right wing kind of rhetoric that's kind of gotten into the conspiracy culture world, the occult world, and also the paranormal realm, Mm -hmm. which I think Mm -hmm. some of that may have always been there, but I kind of want to hear from you kind of where you started with this. Like getting kind of sure I guess uh, disenchanted with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it it's been a major disenchantment and that that's kind of putting it lightly. Um, you know, I I've always been a conspiracist. I've always been fascinated by conspiracy theories. And it really started as a kid. Um, you know, when I first started learning about the JFK assassination and i got politically active pretty early um, i got involved in the anti nuclear movement when i was just a teenager um this was back in the 80s and uh so you know i i've always you know i've always had a strong sort of uh antipathy towards government malfeasance and there's plenty of that um uh, and uh but but you know so my first real immersion in conspiracies was really like the jfk conspiracy um i've always been fascinated same here by, but yeah by ufos and the paranormal and um you know i've had my own sightings and it's always been obvious too that the conspiracies exist you know the government has covered up the reality of the UFO phenomenon, we see an interesting development um, just in the past couple of days yep. uh, that, that, that kind of points to maybe a, a weakening of that or maybe just yet another, you know, disinformation campaign or something. But something's going on there. Uh, but, but it's been obvious to those of us in this wider community that, that the UFO phenomenon has been covered up extensively by the government. Since the 1940s, and um, and still, you know, we learned today that there was a, or yesterday that there there's a, there is another organization within the Pentagon that's been monitoring um, the UFO phenomenon in recent years as well. So the idea that all this died when Project Blue Book was, you know, was shut down is. Absolute nonsense. Anyone who follows this stuff knows that. So I've been a conspiracist. You know, I've always considered myself, uh, you know, someone who's well-read on conspiracies. I've been on, you know, bulletin boards all the way back to the days of Usenet and alt.conspiracy, and um, you know, some really great boards during the '90s and early 2000s, like Rigorous Intuition, one of my favorites, and. So, you know, it's my thing. Uh, I've, 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 I've lived in this world for a long time. Um, but when I really think it started to change was 9-11. And that's, that's for a number of reasons. I mean, there, there are lots of very hinky, uh, you know, issues with the official story about 9-11. But we also saw kind of, you know, this was when the web was really taking off, Um, and YouTube and things like that were really starting to get underway. The fact that people could be at home and create these compelling videos out of, out of news footage and things like that. Um, what we started to see is just this, this, this sort of homegrown conspiracy, uh, these, these networks developing and the the ability to create content that looked really professional, I remember the Zeitgeist uh, video. I don't know yeah. if you watched those. You know that was really, that was really groundbreaking, and it was really the first time that something, you know, that that was would have been considered fringe, really became widespread. You know, there were people, you know, just people I'd run into in my day to day. Activities had nothing to do with conspiracy culture that were suddenly talking about, oh, did you see zeitgeist, you know, did, um, and, and that explosion of, you know, the beginnings of social media and the Internet, um, it really just made conspiracy culture part of mainstream culture. And that was good in a lot of ways. And it was it has it some really you know, negative repercussions as well. And um, so that's when things started to change. And then really um, the the rise of social media and the fact that we can self-select to live within these mediated reality tunnels of information. Um, so, you know, the fact that if you're a liberal, your Facebook or your Twitter can look very different than if you're a conservative, uh, your Facebook or Twitter are going to be, you know, very different. There's even a website called Red Blue, I think, something like that, that showed um, two different Facebook streams, like all in real time, one being, uh, you know, geared towards liberal news, and one being geared towards conservative news. And it's re- it's like two vastly different worlds, <laughs> and, and you can choose these worlds. You sort of self-select. Of what you want to believe, and um, and that's that was really I think one of the biggest changes. It was the combination of conspiracy culture going mainstream, and the fact that you could self-select the reality tunnel that you wanted to to exist within. That the media that you wanted to consume could come from all one, you know, political, social direction or or its opposite, and that that further fragmenting of of people into opposing camps, really like really just exploded, and became you know it, it really I think we we bec- we've always been divided politically as a society, but sure. these new, but these new technologies really were just like you know just were like an axe cleaving us into two. And that the damage was done, and I think it's it, it, you know it's seemingly irreparable, because you know I have uh, you know I have relatives that sit around all day watching Fox News, and um, you know they they their beliefs and their reality is completely dictated. By that network and what that network chooses to present and how it presents it and the same as someone watching msnbc which is you know skewed on the other mm-hmm. uh political end of the political spectrum right um, but you know but we can we can choose to to live within our these comfortable realities that support our biases and support um what we want to
3: believe it's like yeah. a reality bubble
2: yeah, it's a bubble. Yeah. I mean you know, we're in these bubbles and 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 we believe what we're fed. And we're also fed so much more with the twenty four seven always on news and and the, the constant never ending feed of Facebook and Twitter. And so, you know, whereas 20 years ago, we might have picked up a newspaper and read through the newspaper. Now, we're just seeing so much more information, so much more political information, so much information information that's targeted at shaping our perceptions. Um, so that that's a big that's a big thing that changed conspiracy culture. Um, so what? But what really drove me to write this piece was, as you mentioned, Mm Pizzagate, because I think that that, that's that's where everything just completely blew apart, and um, (laughs) and it actually you know it cost me friendships, it cost me membership in some groups that I belong to. Um, It was it was just such an incredibly divisive. you know the the, the emotions that are generated in people were just, it, you know, I, I'd say I, w- I won't just say PizzaGate because what what was the precursor to that for me was all these um, these ideas that these shootings, these mass shootings, are hoaxes. That's what really kind of pushed me over the edge. But then it was PizzaGate where I decided, okay, I can't. I, I just can't live in these reality tunnels anymore with these people. It's toxic. It's, it has real-world negative effects. And it's, it's just divisive and destructive. And it's, and it's bullshit. And that's why I used bullshit in the title. Um, and, and, and to watch people that I really respected and intelligent, smart, savvy people get pulled into that particular conspiracy was just was so disturbing to watch that that's when i said okay i'm publicly breaking with this stuff and that's why i wrote the piece
3: what is your personal opinion on Pizzagate? well i mean you you said this bullshit but yeah, what's yeah, what's it's... your what's what's the reasoning there for you because you, you, i mean i i don't think that you just look at it and say cursor cursorily and say, Oh, that's just bullshit. I think you actually oh, looked no. into it. And so what led you to believe, okay, this is, this is crap.
2: Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, 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 don't cursorily reject things. That's just not my style. Sure. Um, and I've got a lot of, you know, history looking at conspiracies, you know, about alleged pedophile, Rings and eyes wide shut, Illuminati rituals and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I've been around this stuff. I've absorbed it. I've, I've, you know, followed people who go down that that particular road with their research or their propagandizing or whatever you want to call it. Um, But, but with what happened was, I, I saw I saw people jumping on the Pizzagate train and i immediately sort of said okay well this is interesting let me take a look at it you know i had friends saying oh did you get, you know when it was first sort of developing and pieces were falling into place about this alleged conspiracy i was of course interested so i started looking at some of the pieces of information that were, was coming my way and i i said and they just didn't make any sense um So, but what I like to do is interrogate my biases. I think that's the only way to survive if you're going to be in this stuff, is you've got to really, really rip apart your own biases. My bias has always been, well, maybe there's something to this. Let's look at it. You know, my bias is to maybe believe that there are uh, organized pedophile rings by, you know, elite government people and things like that, just because it's been such a, you know, uh, it's it's just been a, an idea that's been out there for so long. Sure. So I started looking at it, and I said, well, this, yeah, but this piece doesn't make sense. And someone would send me a link, and I'd look at that, and said, this piece, this piece is interesting, but if you look at it a different way, that doesn't really make sense either. So I you know, but I was intrigued because so many people in so many of the communities that I belong to were just really hyping this. And, and again, you know, when you're, when you're in the early stages of, you know, uncovering an alleged conspiracy, it's kind of, it's exciting, you know, because you're, you know, you're getting these, these hormonal hits when you discover a piece and you think, wow, that could fit. it's, it's titillating. It's exciting to be to think you're you're uncovering something. I mean, we all love that feeling. It's you know it's it's just natural. You know we're getting an endorphin rush. Um, you know with each little bit that we're uncovering. So all these people are getting caught up and seeking out confirmatory information and things like that. And I said, well, ho, slow down. And like I always do, when I start to believe something or disbelieve something, I try to approach it from the other angle. Because I think if if you're going to buy into a conspiracy, you should do your damnedest to tear it apart first. So I started trying to tear this thing apart. And I found out not only was it easy to tear apart, but it was also easy to see where it came from. And it came from... You know, not so surprising, um, of groups that opposed Hillary Clinton, and especially in the Reddit subgroup are Donald and 4chan. You know, which who are known for just creating, you know, crazy. They call it shit posting. Um, you know, just coming up with stuff to to be inflammatory or hoaxes and things like that. And it was easy to see where this stuff was originating from. I mean, you could just trace it back very easily, you know, without being some kind of incredible online cyber detective or anything. You could see where the stuff, where the original material was coming from. And it was in these rabidly partisan um, subreddits and and 4chan and and other groups like that then you could also see who was promoting it like uh you know michael flynn uh Ju michael flynn's son um you know flynn who's recently you know been indicted uh for his crimes mm. with the trump administration right and his son was pimping this so really it was very it was very partisan when it began and in the in the groups where it began so i started looking at this and even you know when you when you look at some of the you know some of the material that was being presented as evidence it was so flimsy and so easy to debunk and i was like but but yet i was seeing so many otherwise smart you know conspiracy savvy people just falling for it and i think the reason they fell for it is because it you know number one it's that titillating feeling that you're like you're 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 a part of the exposure of this horrible thing um and it is a it is a you know it's a disturbing story, so you you know you feel like you're like you know some kind of, of avenger truth avenger
3: <laughs> yeah that that guy to, who went to the restaurant to, yeah, he had yeah. that that was his vision of himself yeah
2: right exactly,
3: and you get people like
2: Alex Jones pushing it out to the millions of morons that listen to him and it just kept it's kept snowballing and the more i looked at it the more i said my god this is so transparently bogus so um one of the people who was really uh pimping it uh pretty hard uh was a guy that has a conspiracy show uh, a fairly popular conspiracy podcast okay. and uh, Greg Carlwood, the Higher Side Chats or THC, as it's abbreviated, a guy whose podcast I'd love to listen to. Um, he was really going at it pretty hard, and I said, "Greg."
3: Um, yeah, I listened to some of his shows about it.
2: Yeah, yep. I, so so I said, "Hey, hey, Greg, man, how about I? Why don't you give me your best evidence for this so I can look at it? Because all I'm seeing is kind of, you know, pretty." Pretty easy stuff to debunk, and 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 just complete confabulation and and obvious partisan, politically motivated material. And uh, so he said, yeah, okay. So he gave me a link to Vote V O A T, uh, which is kind of a I guess a right leaning conspiracy site that that uh, that published this enormous list. I can't remember how
5: many
3: bullet yeah. had. I looked at um, that and it was after it was actually the, it got put on there after I think the reddit was closed down. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So so yeah, so the reddit got shut down. It migrated to Vote and Greg said, "Well, here you go, man. This is like this is it. If you know, look at this. This is the this is the full compendium of of arguments for this conspiracy." So, you know, being a meticulous nerd that I am I I wound up going (laughs) through each of those bullet points and looking at the evidence that was presented researching I mean it was hours and hours and hours and hours of research I put into this thing and I started noticing some very obvious uh you know confabulations I started seeing where the stuff was coming from and who was promoting it uh, and piece by piece, I really tore this thing apart, and, and that's what I, again, that's, that's the only way to stay um, out of the rabbit holes in these fields, is to really rigorously rip your own beliefs apart, to attack, take something if you're leaning towards believing it, and just try to tear it up, if it's, if it's, if it's legitimate, it's good. It, it can it can stand the heat, but this but Pizzagate couldn't stand the heat. So piece by piece, I went through this thing, and wrote this you know enormous document that's also on Medium. How, let me see if I could how long a read that is, because uh, that's more than eleven minutes. <laughs> but a twenty-eight minute read. Okay. Um, so and that was called refuting Pizzagate. And so, you know, I went through this whole process and I, I I tweeted back to Greg. I said, hey, Greg, take a look at what I wrote. Let me know what you think, because I, I think, you know, I think I've done a pretty good job of showing that this this is kind of silly and kind of nonsensical and kind of baseless when you really tear it, tear it down. And I waited and he didn't respond. And I tweeted back at him again, I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I asked for your best evidence. You gave it to me. Uh, I responded, and how about what do you think? You know, and he just completely refused to acknowledge me. So that left me a little hurt. You know, I mean, this here's a guy whose show I liked, um, and who was you know really running with this pizza gate thing. And, you know, after requesting the evidence, he just ignored my rebuttal, but whatever, you know, it's his show, it's his life. Um, And then, uh, I guess, maybe a month or two later, um, I got an invitation to go on another podcast to talk about Pizzagate with uh, Alex Sakiris, who runs Skeptico, another podcast I've really enjoyed over the years. Um, especially, you know, it's it's a, especially his stuff about consciousness and near-death experiences and things like that, which again, another something else I really enjoy listening to people talk about. Well, he invited me on, and again, you know, but this this was after I'd written the, you know, maybe a couple of I can't remember, but it was a little while after I'd I'd written the refutation, and so I, knowing I was going to be on a show, I took the day off work because it was a daytime interview. Um, I spent hours uh, the night before and and that morning going over all my notes and really kind of prepping so I didn't sound like an idiot. I had specific examples and things like that. And I got on the show and and basically the host just started yelling at me. Um, I mean, just screaming at me like, how dare I deny that there are pedophiles and pedophile networks and i said well hold on man that's i thought we were talking about pizza well
3: nobody's denying that no one was ever yeah, nobody's, nobody's talking, denying that you. that happens
2: yeah yeah i'm just saying you know i said you wanted to talk to me about Pizzagate. can we talk about Pizzagate? he's like well you know how can you deny that they're a cult pedophile networks you've got to be ins- i mean just hectoring and yelling at me i mean at the top of his lungs and Every time I tried to kind of slip in a piece of data about alleged Pizzagate, um, he would just shut me down. And it it went on. I mean, this it, it seems incredible, but it went on for almost two hours. Uh, and it was just a, a yelling match. And after a while of him yelling at me, you know, I started yelling back at him. I'm like, would you please... you you wanted to talk about specifics and you know, you won't let me talk about specifics and you know, and how can you, you know, for him, he's like, how can you deny these, these evil networks of pedophile occultists and what they do to children and, and all this. And eventually it just, we just said, Hey, okay, (laughs) that was fun. Um, you know, and he said, I'll let you know when the episode's going on air. And then, um, I got an email from him said, Hey, Um, You know, I've listened to this and it's pretty much two people yelling at each other. Maybe I'll just take some excerpts out of it. And he said, maybe I'll approach Gordon White and Connor Habib to get, you know, a different perspective. And I I said, well, look, man, you, you know, you invited me on to talk about this. And we did, you know, to to the best of my extent, I tried to talk about this and you just shouted me down. And now you're not even going to air it, or, or you want to air like little excerpts, and you want to get someone else with a different opinion, and you yeah, know, I was a little pissed off. I I I'd taken a day off work, I, you know, vacation day, because I wanted this to be a good conversation, things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and it just it was, and he basically said, well, I, I might there are some excerpts, but I'll run them by you first. And I said, "Whatever." And then I never heard back from him. Um, so you know that that was that was really when I said, "Okay, I'm done, man." You know, um, and it really made me realize that there are a couple of things, and one of the major things that was kind of an obvious realization was that conspiracy. You know, it's In some cases, it's, um, you know, I'm not saying either of these two people I mentioned, this is the case for them, but it's, you know, it's about getting listeners um, more so than actually maybe talking about stuff that's truthful. Um, It's titillating, you know, it's, it's, it's creepy and weird to talk about Illuminati sex rituals and, (laughs) you know, eyes wide shut parties and things like that. I've written about that kind of stuff in my fiction. I know that it's self, and and people people are attuned to that, and they get off on that. Um, So, I think a lot of these conspiracies get perpetuated, and they just keep getting perpetuated because it makes for good listening.
3: I'll admit that you know i've talked about similar things had guests on to talk about similar things because it is interesting and i know people are going to want to to tune into my podcast and listen to it but it's never been any kind of like political you know standpoint and and that's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of become the problem you know i was <laughs> we we spoke to ken thomas back in august and i don't know if you know who he is Oh, yeah. But, no,
2: I used to read Steam Shovel Press. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was. Internet. Yeah. Was like, it,
3: you know, it, that was what you read. It, it, was, it was great to have him on because here's a guy that has been doing this for years and years and years and was doing it before all this conspiracy stuff became politicized when it was just people <laughs> asking questions about what their government was doing or not doing. And. It, he he wrote a book you know Trump apocalypse now that was the name of the book mm-hmm. he wasn't happy with the title the publishers chose that but you know it was pretty appropriate because he was what he was looking at in that book was how trump the right wing have have pretty much weaponized conspiracy culture and conspiracy mm-hmm. theory as a means to kind of gain power because that's really what has happened and you yeah, definitely yeah. saw it in 2016 and so it's definitely not within you know, without the realm of possibility that this that this Pizzagate stuff that that, that this was that this was part of it.
2: Yeah, I, I think it completely was. I mean it was weaponized conspiracy propaganda. And and that's not that's not an opinion. I mean you, you if you trace this stuff back to where it originates and you look to the people who are promoting it the the most loudly and widely, it, it it's it's right wing nationalist. You know, it's Breitbart, it's Alex Jones, um, you know, and his surrogates, Paul Joseph Watson or whatever that lunatic's name is. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's these it's these it's these you know hardcore nationalists, often white supremacists. Um, blowhards, mouthpieces who are, who, are, who are pimping this stuff. And the thing is, like, when when I speaking of Ken Thomas, you know, conspiracy has always been pretty objective. You know, it's had a little bit of you know what might be considered a classical left leaning um, sort of agenda, and that's because the you know the the U, the U S government was targeting left. Lefties, you know. I mean, and yeah, the Pro and other, you know, and the FBI going after Martin Luther King Jr. and right. things like that, right? You know, so and you can so, understand
3: why that bias would be there in the light of that.
2: Sure, I mean, historically, you know, it, that that's how it came together. And there were, you know, in the in the you know in the sixties and seventies, there were you know radical. Armed, you know, left-wing, you know, terrorists groups for like the Weathermen and you know the SLA and things like that. But you also uh, had the
3: John Birchers and those guys too. You the John Birchers, right? But, the, but you, all that stuff was fringe, though. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you look back, there's always been a, a right-wing sort of element in conspiracy culture. Um, you know, and it's it, a lot of times it has an anti-Semitic element. Um, you go back to Father Coughlin in the 1930s, you know, who was, you know, pre, you, you know, who was talking about the evils of the Jewish bankers and yeah. stuff like that. Then yeah. that stuff just gets recycled. You know, David Icke. Um, You know, while some people don't think he's actually (laughs) anti-Semitic, you know, he's he recycled the protocols of the elders of Zion. And, you know, and and clearly it's some sometimes used, you know, Illuminati or reptilians. William William Cooper did that,
3: too. Well, Bill Cooper, right, exactly.
2: So so there's always been this kind of, you know, this right wing, you know, thing bubbling under the surface and it pops up regularly, and I started seeing that again, um, you know, particularly around this election, and a lot of the groups, you know, where I really like to, to interact with people online about conspiracies or esotericism or, you know, alternative beliefs and things like that, they, the, the right-wing trolls really just started popping up, um, you know, like you'd smack one down with a cl- like, it's like whack-a-mole. You know, you'd knock one down, and then another one would pop up, and it really made these places really toxic. Um, and another thing I want to mention that that I think i, I missed earlier about that has really kind of destroyed conspiracy culture is you, the rise of YouTube videos, um, because anyone can make a video just by cobbling together you know, footage that you find online and make it look compelling. And, the, and I, so many times in my discussions with people online, they'd answer with, "Oh, watch this video. You know and, and, I'd, and I'd watch about five minutes of the video and then I would start talking about, oh, depraved art. And before you know it, it's talking about the Jews, you know, the, the evil Jews and things like that. But the problem with videos is you can you can make something really compelling with music and imagery and it kind of circumvents the kind of rational response that someone might have to to looking at text. And you also can't you can't you know you can read a text and then you can go and try to find, you know, sourcing and corroboration and other articles or other news sites or something like that. You can't do that with videos, but a video is like a powerful thing. And I've seen so many people get like, you know, pulled into these, these really toxic, you know, videos because they're so well produced and they're so well done. And the people, you know, narrating them sound authoritative. So I think that's, that's really been a a destructive um, result uh, also, but, but yes, yeah, so these, these right wing trolls start popping up everywhere. And I'm, you know, I, I've always been one to not tolerate that sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the nearest hint of antisemitism or, absolutely you know, or, or racist content or something like that, you know, I call it out. Absolutely. And if, some, if someone's referencing, you know, you know, indirectly some Nazi, you know, slogan or something like I—I I call it out. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to let that go. <laughs> That's just who I am. I'm like a, you know, some, some kind of vigilante when it comes to that sort of thing because it just—it's it, so deeply offensive to me. But I found that as I'm calling these things out, you know, other people, it, it like I became the bad guy mm-hmm. in some of these, forms. you know, like I'm causing dissent. By the fact that I'm saying, well, look, you know, this argument you're making is the argument that the Nazis made, you know, or or this slogan that you're using, you know, or you're talking about depraved art. Like, that's what the Nazis said. Uh, about I was going br- to bring
3: that up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Right. And you know, that that factored into Pizzagate as well, because, you know, all these uh, Ma- Marina Abramovich, you know, who does these, you know, kooky performance art videos with like occult themes and stuff like that you know it, 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 people started saying well my god you know John Podesta uh, his brother Tony you know went to one of our spirit cooking uh get-togethers so that means they're cannibals and they're eating children and you know they're they're
3: and it you know it was just it just that's the first it, thing that I heard I I didn't I didn't I didn't hear the PizzaGate stuff at first. I heard the Marina Abramovich stuff, and I was just kind of like, okay, so, I yeah. you know, there's a certain amount of just like uh, that that kind of stuff is always gonna gonna shock Middle America. And it's
2: it's, ours... all, it's <laughs> always gonna
3: shock Middle America. I still hear people on the on the radio, on talk radio, talk about the piss Christ. And that was thirty oh, yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: and and, the, and the, you know, an, a, an artist that tries to provoke—it's not, you know, it's not my favorite kind of art, honestly, sure. because it's so easy to do. You know, I mean, you walk on stage and you know, and drop your pants and take a crap. Well, well you're <laughs> going to offend everybody,
3: but that that's stick stick really yams up your problem. butt or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, the same here. I'm like, okay, I mean, great. I just like you just. I think people just sometimes just it's just shock to shock. But then you know, Fox News picks up on it and it's like, oh my God, you yeah. know, the, the exactly. Satan Satan has taken over America. <laughs> yeah. You were the first one to really clue me in on some of the like satanic panic, the the feedback loop, as you I mean, as you yeah, call I mean, it. I mean that yeah. it's it, it really is that. It's just the it's it's just a feedback loop. And it just, yes. as, as much as the, the, uh, the, the people are shocked by it, by it, then the Satanists are, you know, just try to provoke and it just keeps going <laughs> and going. Exactly. It's pretty exactly. ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, it is. And, and so, you know, I, between,
2: you know, and also I'm, I'm an occultist, you know, I mean, I'm a practicing occultist. It's, it's something that's fascinated me. Um, it's part of, You know my spiritual path, but you know I have nothing to do with Satan, you know Satan or cannibals or you know or you know pedophiles or anything like that. Even though you know now I've got some lunatic Golden Dawn guy who who's trying to paint me, um, as as one of those people. But but so it was just this this giant toxic stew of idiocy and just. Panic and overblown hype, uh, and you know there was there was also an element of homophobia and that Pizzagate stuff too. You know, I mean the fact that the owner of Comet Ping Pong was a gay man, and his boyfriend David Brock was a you know a very was a powerful gay DC um, you know personality. There was clear there was just so much that that was so wrong about about that whole thing. And between that and you know, I also had an encounter with a a a, a Newtown truther, you know, in quotes, um, who who was telling me that, that no children were killed in Newtown and yeah. that shooting. Right. And and I know a woman um who lives in, in Newtown and her like her friends to a couple friends, her, her, girl, her girlfriend and her girlfriend's husband lost their child at Sandy Hook Elementary School. And my, on top of that, my friend also, because she's a social worker, she wound up being a grief counselor for a bunch of parents up there. And this guy is in my face telling me that it's a hoax, and I'm saying, no, it's not. And I'm explaining to him that I know someone, you know, in that community who knows a lot of those people counseled them after you know the most horrible thing that could happen to somebody which is losing what your your child in, in a violent massacre and this asshole is in my face telling me that I'm a liar or I'm deluded or something like that I'm like a, I'm a pacifist I don't like fighting people um but I came so close to just clocking him <laughs> with every ounce of energy that i could summon it, and
3: you, you know mike i, I think I, I think there's weird things about sandy hook but i'm not one of those people that thinks nothing happened i i think i think that kids died teachers died it, it, There's but there's it's weird it, things it,
2: about everything right the, yeah and, and the other thing that people don't understand is when something crazy like that happens there's a lot of bungled information going around you know, And you have to expect that there's, there are going to be conflicting statements about what's happening or, or, what, or who is involved and things like that. It's natural because it's a chaotic,
3: crazy situation. Especially with the 24-hour so, news cycle.
2: Right. But if you go and you start looking for inconsistencies, you're going to find them because there are inconsistencies. It always takes a while. For things to sort of settle, settle out, and, and for the details to get substantiated, but these these just vulture people, you know, just leap on these corpses well, of these children and start feasting and, on that tragedy.
3: And that has a political element to it as well, because that yeah. that the, that whole thing got politicized because they were saying, "Well, it's because Obama wants to take your guns away." Yeah, Yeah, that's 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 when did he come and take our guns away? I've seen more guns. Yeah, that's (laughs) what that's what it became, and no matter how many of these things seem to happen, contrived or not, we never seem to get there. So it it it, 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 that that's a part of it that doesn't make any sense. But that was used that was used politically. That was used to keep people to keep people in a state of apprehension and a state of fear. Yeah, and if,
2: if, if Obama's coming for our guns, man, um, you know, he sure uh, – sure uh, these, you know, so-called mass shooting psyops sure aren't very effective. Right. And that's the, that's the other thing about these things. I, I call people, you know, well, who's, who's, who orchestrated this, this mass shooting then? Oh, they, they. They did it. You know, they control blah, blah. blah they control the media. I go, who's they? That's my that's my response nowadays. I call those people they sayers. And when you start asking who they is, they, they get agitated and either they call you, you know, a, a shill a CIA shill or or an idiot or a sheeple and then or and then they just call you bad names and go away. Because they can't. And here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to ask anyone who who has any, you know, shred of belief that something like Newtown is a hoax. Okay, first of all, how many people would have to be in on this on that for it to be a hoax? Okay, the media—you have to have people in the media who are helping cover it up. Okay, the parents. Okay, let's say all those parents are crisis actors, which is what these people say.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How? How do you? You know, you've got. Kind of, if you've ever lived in a town of people. You know the web of connections that you make, right? I mean, you know other if you've got kids in school, you know other parents, you know those kids' parents, sometimes you know their grandparents, you know the teachers, you know the administrators at that school, you know the crossing guard, you know, I mean, when you when you when you think of how many people would have to be involved if that was some kind of hoax, it's insane. If you use basic parsimony, it's impossible. How would all those people, first of all, how would they be convinced to go through with something as radical as being actors in a hoax? How would those people not be ratted out by other people who say, wait, that guy's not a real parent? And it just it falls apart under the most basic scrutiny that the logic any, like, you know,
3: smart seven-year-old should possess. It's like well, it, something should have come out, something should have come out by now. That's that's why in my mind I'm sitting there watching, I'm sitting there as it was going on saying, wait a minute, which is easier? I mean, if if there was, if you had a group of people that went in there, killed those kids, killed those killed those teachers, killed that guy, blamed it on, and put a gun in his hand blamed it on him that's a whole hell of a lot easier than what you just said to yeah. happen
2: or, or, or you just convince you convince one person to go shoot up a school right yeah. i mean surely that's easier right and, and you know path of least
3: resistance seems exactly. to be
2: <laughs> right, right but the but the alternative is just stupid yeah. Apart. Well, you
3: know, in my opinion, Mike, it seems to me like that in and of itself is some kind of disinformation thing. I think that's what yeah, I think. I think know,
2: that's. Know it's I think that's part I mean, of Alex what it Alex is. Jones
3: knows he's he's, yeah. he's talking shit. It's yeah. You know,
2: he knows. I think
3: it's a disinformation and B. It's it's used. It's used as a political. It's used politically.
2: And entertainment. Right. And don't forget. You know that. That's why I think some of these guys I talked about earlier. Don't care if, if someone can refute a conspiracy because it's you know their readers, their listeners, you know their viewers want to hear it, want to see it. So they keep putting it out there because it keeps their you know ad revenue coming in mm-hmm. and it keeps people titillated, it keeps people engaged. But but the problem is there are real people who suffer because of this. Yeah. I mean, knowing really my my friend who knows these parents. And some of those parents have been harassed and
3: targeted. Yeah, I've heard about that,
2: yeah. Vile scumbags. I mean, these are the lowest of low. You've decided, okay, because you're an internet sleuth, okay, that you are going to approach a parent of a child who was murdered, and tell them that they're fake and they didn't have a child, the child that died. I mean, what kind of scum person does that? I'll tell you what, it's a lot of people do that. And that's the problem with these bullshit conspiracies. That's why I don't like the term fake news. Forget (laughs) fake news, okay? Just call it bullshit, all right? If it's bullshit, it's bullshit. Don't mince words. Um, The fact that people believe that all these children were fake and all their parents who were crying on camera are fake. And it, and it happened, you know, it happened with the Las Vegas shooting, which is a lot weirder. I mean, there's there's a lot of weird stuff in the, the Vegas shooting. I mean, that's one that I don't, um, I don't begrudge people if they think the official story is a little yeah, wrong. Yeah, I'm, uh, okay. I'm agreed I'm
3: on that, yeah.
2: It stinks. But... I watched a, a friend of, a, a, you know, a good friend of mine who unfortunately disowned me um, over this uh, particular Las Vegas shooting, who watched a video of a guy being interviewed on TV and the guy said, yeah, my friend was shot in the chest and I, I grabbed him and, you know, carried him over to paramedics and he died, blah, blah, blah. So this, this friend of mine, you know, um, who unfortunately doesn't consider himself my friend anymore, um, he said, well, that, that guy's a crisis actor. And I thought he was joking at first because he's not one to, you know, to just say someone's a crisis actor based on seeing, a, a, you know, a tense 15-second clip on TV. And he's like, well, you know, if somebody got shot in the chest, they wouldn't be able to say anything, first of all. And the guy being interviewed doesn't have any blood on his shirt. And I said, wait a minute. Maybe before they put him on TV, they gave him a clean shirt, you know. Or how do you know he, didn't, he wasn't somewhere else? You know, he didn't just walk right out of this carnage to be interviewed. But, but you know, that's, that's like the, the insanity that has taken over people's logical faculties. Oh. They believe they can look at a person being interviewed on TV and And immediately ascertain that that person is an actor
3: yeah you don't <laughs> you don't know what happened before you don't know what happened after I think there's another there's another element to this too I mean in the mm-hmm. first segment, which you haven't heard mm-hmm. in the first segment you, you, we talked about this whole thing that happened last week with this kid in here in Tennessee the anti bullying mm-hmm. thing the oh yeah okay, yeah, yeah. and how it became like this cause celeb, all these celebrities commenting about it. Well, it turns out that the mother is, is, is a scumbag, a yeah. racist. Uh, yeah. her, his father apparently is in jail cause he's a white supremacist. Yeah. And other things that I've heard that this kid called these the reason he was being bullied was cause he was calling kids the N word.
0: Uh-huh. although that's no, not really that's...
3: substantiated but right. my point in saying this is that people want to feel like they're doing something yes and they and, and so they they live in this virtual world where they they can do something about it where they can make Colton feel good about being bullied, you know, say, you know, we, we give you our support. And then when it totally right. backfires, everybody <laughs> has egg on their face.
0: Exactly. And the same thing
3: with the exactly. same thing with pizza gate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rob, well, I'll back up a little bit. Rob made the point that, you know, there are kids right now on your block in your schools that are being bullied. Do something mm-hmm. about that. Do something about the <laughs> people that are in <laughs> right. your community, in your immediate vicinity, and not somebody that's a thousand miles away on right, on the right. internet. But people live right. people live in a virtual world, and so Pizzagate yeah. was the same thing. You know, there's there's plenty of pedophile networks, plenty of human trafficking that is going on right now in the, both of the cities that we're in all across the united states all across Mm -hmm. the world people can get involved and you know when when somebody has an organization be it secular or christian that is uh that is wanting to get involved in stopping pedophile networks that are Mm -hmm. that are real you hear crickets but when pizzagate (laughs) comes over it's like everybody just starts (laughs) screaming you know yeah. So it's like people just feel like that feel like that gives them the sense that they're actually doing something. And yeah, and I think yeah. it's probably the same thing for these people that get all worked up about the about the shootings. Yeah. You know, but yeah. there's but there's things happening around them but they don't see it. It's like a tunnel right. vision.
2: Right. It is. And the, I'm glad you brought up the the bullied kid video because you know, when I saw that, you know, I was I was moved and You know, I thought, geez, this poor kid, you know, no one likes to see someone who's bullied, but I, there was also a part of me that said, well, let's just wait. Sure. No one wants to just take a a breather before they, you know, jump onto something and make it their bandwagon or, you know, it's, it's this immediacy, this immediate, uh, this immediate urge to react and to respond and to do something and that's that's a that's really a big part of it too i think you you really nailed it with that and and also the vigilante aspects of this you know people that we should all know by now that you really shouldn't you know go after someone until you've waited a little bit and heard a little bit about you know just waited for just take a breather folks okay You don't need – the Pizzagate was a witch hunt. And and folks don't realize, you know, when you're calling someone a pedophile, when you're accusing this guy who has a a family ping-pong pizza restaurant in Washington, D.C., when you're calling him a pedophile and a cannibal and saying he's, you know, organized, satanic pedophile rings and all this garbage, that has real-world effects on people. That guy got death threats. The poor people whose kids he had photos of on his Instagram feed. Those parents, you know, were being called, you know, perpetrators. This stuff has real, not to mention, and this is what I kept saying to Alex Sekiris, you know, when you, when you just promote this stuff uncritically and make these allegations against people, there were there were families sitting in that restaurant when that guy came in with a gun yeah. and shot the place up. Yep. Do you? I mean, had I been in that restaurant with my kids and a guy walks in with a rifle and shoots the place? I mean, that that could terrorize your kids for the rest of their lives. It could terrorize me for the rest of my life. We I mean, talk about post traumatic stress disorder, and, and that, but they don't think you know they don't think that by by spouting this stuff off online, that it ha- that it's really going to hurt somebody. It's going to hurt innocent
3: people if you're wrong about it. Because someone is going to feel like that they're the white knight and they need to go save somebody. What I loved about that whole thing was like, even if it was completely and totally real, with all the heat that was on Comet Ping Pong, you really think they were going to be keeping kids down in the cellar?
2: Right, and there was no seller, you know, that's the whole thing, and, uh, you know, and and the thing is, these, these, these internet sleuths, man, these Sherlock's, these conspiracy Sherlock's, who spend, you know, hours at their keyboards trying to ferret out, like the real stuff going on at Comet Ping Pong, okay, you know what they never do, they never call somebody up, they never call you know, and ask around and try to find, you know, that's what real detectives do. They actually talk to people. They don't just make connection, you know, connect dots on their friggin' computer all day long. They actually talk to people. I know a guy who knows the owner of Common Ping Pong right now that, you know, I'm sure there's people thinking, oh, we'll see there, that's why he's, you know, he's part of the cover up too. Right. And I just, ha- I live near DC I know a guy who's in the arts community, and he's like, yeah, he used to go see bands there. He knows James, who runs the restaurant. He's a nice guy. Um, the other thing is, okay, the place employs probably like 40 people, right? 40 people. If you work at a restaurant, I've worked in a restaurant. If you work in a restaurant, what do you talk about? With your waiters and the cook. You talk about all the people in the restaurant. You talk about the management. You talk about your coworkers. You gossip, just like anywhere else. How in the hell could they have been running a child sex ring in a non existent basement of a pizza restaurant without any of those waiters or cooks or busboys or hosts and hostesses seeing something wonky going on, right? But no, you don't – none of these people, you know, ask these simple, basic questions. None of them actually talk to anyone who knows people involved. They just connect dots all day long and whip themselves up into a frenzy and congratulate themselves on sussing out these, you know, this satanic, pedophilic <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah. It's it's just absurd. And they- it's – it's dangerous it,
3: it affects real people that's the other thing too is i think that i think it's it started to bring kind of like the satanic panic back yeah, but
2: it's yeah, but exactly. it's
3: but it's now in the in the the realm of kind of like the the human trafficking realm right, and which right. is a real problem but yeah yeah exactly but the you know uh right after that in D, i think in december or january of this year uh there was the, this girl that went on Dr. Phil saying that she had been trafficked her whole life. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, but it was the same story that you always heard, uh, coming from, was it like the book, Michelle remembers and all this oh, kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's just, it, it's, it, it's just a rehash of the same old thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Comet ping pong or pizza gate, you know, I, when I looked at the material, I thought, okay, there, there are some strange things, but that's kind of what they are. It's just strange things. We don't yeah, really there's... know. And, and and it's, it's kind of like the, the, it's kind of like the picture, the, the video of the boy, of the boy that we, we had last week, this, this mm-hmm. kid, you know, mm-hmm. we only see that video. We don't, know the context we don't know we're we're only getting his side we don't know what happened to him in the school we don't know what he said to set those kids off so it's all you know the context is missing
2: right and if you the other thing is i mean confirmation bias is the enemy of conspiracy thinking and i've done experiments with this like i was on um the rigorous intuition blog many years ago and and I was, I was explaining to someone why their confirmation bias was leading them astray. And I said, look, I'm going to prove it, okay? And I did something like I took Britney Spears and, um, I don't know, 9-11 or something like that and said, I'm going to show the connection. I'm going to show the connection <laughs> between the two. And, but the thing is, you can do that. Like it's it's a great exercise. I'm, I'll ask you know anyone's listening to this try it sometime. Take two very disparate things and try to find linkages between them. And it's a hell of a lot easier nowadays because you just sit and Google, and before you know it, you could construct a narrative that connects Britney Spears to the you know the World Trade Center bombings. You really can do that. And, and that's what happens, and that's what happens with Pizzagate. That's what happens with so many of these conspiracies is you just start – if you've got in your head that you're going to find something, if you've already kind of assumed your outcome, you're going to find pieces that fall into place. and You're going to cherry pick, and you're going to miss the things that don't, and you're going to seek out confirmatory data, and that's going to lead you to convincing yourself. So try it sometime. Like try to actually make up your own conspiracy, and then find pieces to prove it. It's a mind-blowing experience, and, and it's it's a it's something that I wish more people, more conspiracy people, would do, uh, because it shows you exactly how you can fool yourself.
3: You do realize that uh, when I get, I'm going to get those emails that say that uh, you and I are doing the same thing.
2: Well screw those people, man. I mean, you know you know, I, I, you know, if someone chooses to be that dense or that paranoid you know, I, I whatever, man. I mean, you know I what if I can't I can't come personally and, and explain to them or prove to them that, you know, I'm not in on Pizzagate because I'm so vehemently against the stupid idea of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you either you know you either accept the people who you know, people like us are are being truthful or that we're in on it. And if I had a nickel for every time in the past few decades where I've been accused of being a CIA shill or whatever, you know, I could probably buy, uh, I don't know, a few cups of coffee
3: at My- Starbucks. <laughs> Mike are you seeing this in, uh, besides Pizzagate besides that subject and are you seeing this in other kind of like more paranormally themed shows that are out there are you seeing this kind of yeah, this kind yeah. of stuff popping up
2: yeah and you know the the, the real extreme politicization um, that we're going through right now and um, you know we've always been politically divided as a country back to our inception um, but yeah it's there's I've seen, and uh, one of the one of the other things I got into with um, with Alex Secura is not to pick on him, because um, I don't hold any ill will against him. Really, I just think he's bullheaded and wrong. Um, is that you know he was he was talking about? Uh, he asked me about climate change, and that's another um, place where I see. Uh, and I'll tell you how it happened briefly. As I was at a, a Ford Fest, a Fortian conference, and it was an after party. And I was sitting around a room of like 12, 15 Fortians, and the, the topic of climate change came up. And I soon realized I was the only person in the room who accepted the scientific consensus about, uh, you know, anthropogenic climate change, that the gases were pumping and our little thin strip of atmosphere around our planet has some actual effect on our climate, you know, which seems kind of, you know, simple, easy thing to understand. But then it got, turned into a heated conversation. People were yelling at me. You know, there was a chemtrails guy who was, like, ready to punch me out. And I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, is this really that radical yeah, J- Josh said he tried to change the subject. Yeah, he was kind. Josh was actually very, uh, very, very kind. <laughs> and he saw that the chemtrails guy was about ready to, you know, probably leap at me or something. So, yeah, Josh, Josh kept trying to change the subject. But, but, you know, I was fine with changing the subject, but these people would not leave me alone. They kept telling me how wrong I was. And I started thinking about why that. I wrote about that a little bit in that medium piece. And I think it's because um, as Fortians, as, you know, people involved in ufology, we talked a little bit about that before the show started, Um, we've been lied to so much. Uh, We've been told that we're, you know, morons for believing sort of alternative things. Um, We've been ridiculed, we've been mocked, we've been told that we're unscientific and silly and things like that. And you know, I think that's, that's gotten to a lot of us, and I think a lot of people in the paranormal realms and the esoteric conspiracy, what have you, you know, fringe, fringe groups, uh, we, we've, we've come to distrust any um, mainstream opinions, Uh, We, you know, because we know that the government has lied to us about UFOs, Uh, we know, you know, things like that, that that we don't believe anything the government says. And it's good to be skeptical about the government, you know, I mean, they do lie. Um, But but lots of other people lie, too. And yes, scientists cook data. I mean, I, I work with scientists. I read, you know, a lot of biomedical science, and, and frankly, there's like a, a real crisis of 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 reliability in the in the life sciences and in the biomedical sciences in particular. We're realizing a lot of the studies that are done are just kind of worthless. I mean, that the, the head of the AMA, the in the journal Lancet, has said so much. Like, man, we really have we've, we've been cranking out a lot of garbage. Because when we go to reproduce a lot of these studies, they don't hold up. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, you have to be skeptical. And I don't, you know, I don't ever want to like come across as someone who's saying, you know, just believe, you know, or or believe the mainstream. Of course, you can't just believe the mainstream, but you can't always disbelieve the mainstream, too. Um, What we're seeing in, in government right now. You know, a lot of my, you know, lefty alternative friends are, you know, believe that the whole Trump Russia thing is some deep state plot to get, you know, to get rid of this guy instead of like instead of looking at the really sloppy conspiracy that's right there in front of us that every day another piece of it gets exposed and falls apart. And, and they don't want to believe that because it's the Washington Post that's reporting on it, or it's the, it's the New York Times, or it's, you know, it's on CNN or something like that. Well, you can't believe it because of that. Yeah, you can, you know. You just need to use your discernment. Everybody's biased. But yeah. if, you just, if you just read the alternative media and you just watch YouTube videos about moon landing hoaxes and crap like that, I mean, you're – you're you're just as deluded as the people who ju- just read the Wall Street Journal and believe it's not biased and believe it's 100 percent true.
3: Right, right. I think that's where flat Earth theory comes from. Is because people people have <laughs> yeah. they, they've been lied to so much that they they say well they they it's it's almost logical in a way because they'll come to it and say well they must be lying to us about the shape of the Earth.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd think. That, we're, that we would all be a little smarter nowadays, because you know that was the whole promise of the internet. is said, "Oh, information at your fingertips. <laughs> you know, it's going to revolutionize. We're you know we're all going to, you know, we're going to have the, the world's data at our fingertips. We'll we'll be so smarter." No, we're actually we become stu- infinitely stupider because, <laughs> like we were talking about earlier, we've created these little bubbles we can live in. The flat Earth. I mean, one of my favorite headlines was, you know, people fly from around the world to attend flat Earth. Conference, you know? <laughs> from around the globe. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And, and then there was, you know, in a, in a lovely sort of synchronistic Fordian twist for me personally, was a guy that shared my name, Michael Hughes. who's uh, yeah. was going to launch a rocket in the desert, you know, to prove that the Earth was, was flat. And I was hoping planet. that was you. <laughs> Yeah, that would be, that would be one of my best stunts ever if I could pull that off. But, but yeah, we just get, we've gotten, we've gotten dumber, you know, we, we believe the stupidest crap, um, because we can, we can find a website that's got it on. I mean, just, you know, basic logic and basic discernment and basically like, critical thinking skills have just, you know, I mean, it's like they've just been extinguished in so many people. It's it's terrifying, you know. As someone oh. who kind of cares about facts and and logic, and you know, really trying to, you know, be smart about look, looking at things and getting at the truth of things, you know, t- to watch really smart people that I care about go down and get lost in these sewers of of stupidity, you know. I mean, and that's what I said at the end of that article. I said, look, man, I, you know. I, I'm I'm getting older. Um, I've got a lot I want to write and talk about and teach and things like that. I can't I, I can't keep pulling keep trying to pull people out of these cesspools of, of idiocy anymore. You know, you want to live in that down there. You want to live in that stuff. You want to believe. You know, Newtown uh, is a hoax and all those people are liars and actors. You know, you want to believe the the, the humans never landed on the moon. You want to believe the earth is flat, man, you know, I can't help you anymore. I, I'm not going to help you. I, I, I can't, I, you know, I, I spent years trying to do that and trying to sort of, you know, approach things rationally and kind of, you know, interact with people rationally and stuff. I'm, I'm just done. So that's why I wrote that piece. Like, man, you like, you want to you live down there? That's fine by me. I'm not giving you a hand up anymore. I don't have the time. I have too much of my own crap I need to do. I got kids, I got a life, and I'm not spending my time debunking bullshit anymore.
3: <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing this interview about it uh real quick before I let you go what's uh how's the Trump binding going? Oh man,
2: you know, I have to say again, like for something I thought might make a few people chuckle uh you know uh might might have you know a little bit of interest in the occult community. Uh, the fact that this thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger is astounding to me. Um, it, Comedy Central just did a great piece for Halloween, if anybody hasn't seen it. They did a great job kind of capturing like the humor of, of, the, of the Trump body, but also the seriousness of it. Uh, there, there's, there are two documentary filmmakers I'm working with now, um, there's, there's like TV interest from a particular producer. Um, there's, I'm shopping around a book, you know, who knows if any of this stuff will happen. You never really know, but the fact that it's still generating so much interest, I think it's really just to, to sum it up. I, I think a lot of people feel, um, like they, they, like they, they engage politically. They're sending out their emails, they're calling Congress people and stuff like that, but they, but they feel like there's a, there's a part of them, there the spiritual aspect of themselves that, that I think they feel has been disengaged from, from activism. And I think this is really a way that it sort of pulls the spiritual and the sort of the mundane together. And I think that's why it's so effective. Um, so it, it's, it's been great. Um, uh, you know, it's still shocking and surreal to me that, that it's happening, but it's a the community of people who have grown around it are just fantastic, and they're they just, they're, they're great people, they're supportive, um, they they add their own spin to things, and it's really taken off, and it's, that that's, that's, to me, that's the biggest thing, is I'm really, like, kind of humbled, I feel like I was just, a, like, a channel that this thing popped out of, and it, it, it belongs to everyone else now. You know, I'm just sort of watching and smiling as it as it gets bigger and bigger.
3: Excellent. Well, maybe it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thank you so thank much. You. Uh, yeah. Tell everybody where they can find you and uh, get, find your books as well.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, well, my trilogy is complete now, so if you'd like – Reading fiction, uh, it's the Blackwater Lights trilogy. You can find it uh, on Amazon, you know, obviously uh, Barnes and Noble, Apple, etc. Uh, it's fun if you like the kind of stuff that we're, that your show talks about and that we like to talk about. It's it's a fun. And there is, you know, there are, you know, I'm not giving anything away, but there are, you know, occult, satanic, pedophile networks. <gasps> Yeah, so fiction, yeah, fiction is one thing. Let's just keep fiction and fact straight. Um, so that's the Blackwater Lights uh, trilogy. Um, if you just want to read my other stuff, just go to michaelmhughes.com. It's got a link to my talks and videos and tarot workshops and all that good stuff. So, yeah, man. Well, I, I, I've been looking forward to this. I'm glad we finally, we finally did it. It's been a I'm fun s- conversation.
3: Absolutely, Mike. Thank you so much. Stay on the line for me, uh guys. I already closed out the show, but uh, again, thank you for listening to conspiranormal and uh, check out our Patreon, patreoncom slash conspiranormal And guys, we will be back in a few days with the Great Doctor Future. Talk to you later. There
2: was a time when.